I'm not the one who's so far away when I feel the snake bite enter my veins. Never did I wanna be here again, and I don't remember why I came. Hello and welcome to episode 145 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. This week we're talking about, uh, or this month I should say, we're talking about uh, The Serpent and the Rainbow. This is Kevin's pick, Wes Craven, uh, supernatural thriller from 1988, mm. um, starring Bill Pullman, Kathy Tyson, Paul Winfield, other people, and uh, well, Michael Goff. I mean, come on, right? Zakes, Zakes McKay, third mm. fiddle, man. Yeah, I don't know who that I, fuck is. I don't know how to say That's the name. bad guy? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're also going to be talking about what we watched and a couple of trailers, and let's just get into it. Let's get into the trailers because John's in a rush here. JR's in a no, rush. No, I'm not in a rush. <laughs> I'm just like. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's okay. Yeah, I we're trying. You know, we're trying to, to to move things along, and so I stop things that interrupt you after you say we're in a rush to slow yeah, things down. Right That's now, just how I, it goes. I was just thinking that. I was like, oh, you could you could stop talking now. And <laughs> okay, so the first time was trailers. Um, big trailer uh, that dropped. I guess the biggest one would be like uh, Rebel Moon, right? The new oh. Zack Snyder, the oh. long-awaited. Uh, uh, is, isn't this? I recall reading that this is like he was going to make a Star Wars film, mm. and then he stopped making it and made this instead, or there's some kind it's, of falling out between him or something. But who knows? It just says so much. Yeah. That this, is, this is your headline trailer. Of course, this is. Well, this is the biggest headline trailer. I would assume this is the biggest. Trailer that everyone would know that dropped. Sure. You did. You disagree with that? I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I mean, is there like a? I mean, I mean, is there like a bigger like blockbuster movie that dropped? I don't think there is. I could be I wrong, know. but I mean, anyway. It, it, again, it's been five weeks, so I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, what'd you guys think of Rebel Moon? Apparently, uh, Jr. doesn't think too much of it. <laughs> well, he's not the only one. I'm not going to watch this movie. <laughs> I will watch the first movie because this is a trailer for two movies. Right, it's a yeah, two-part yeah. event. <laughs> yeah, and you, I, I'm assuming that the movies are divided up by uh, like Sofia Boutella's haircuts. Did you guys <laughs> oh, get that sense? Is she in this movie? I didn't even notice. What? She's the main character. What's happening? I didn't know she was in it. I didn't know it was her. She's, she's the main. Yeah, uh, and sometimes oh. she has long hair, and sometimes she has like really close uh, cropped military haircut. Like Charlie Hunt. Charlie Hunnam's in this too. I didn't even realize that she was. Barely recognizable, and he has no lines. Uh, in fact, the person who has the most lines is Anthony Hopkins, who is doing the narration. But I don't remember actually seeing him. Yeah, you Did don't see him. Anthony Hopkins. No, I don't know. It's He's just in him the, narrating. Mostly in then, the movie. Full. And then that sorry, uh, Jimon Hansu takes over at the end. Yes. Yeah. A lot of well, him. Um, full disclosure: I didn't finish this trailer because it was doing nothing for me about midway through it, so I turned it off. But and um, it's also it's three and a half minutes long. Yeah, it is. And it's called a teaser too. Because it is again, it's a trailer. It's a trailer for two movies. One comes out this fall. One comes out next spring. Um, and I mean, my, I would say that like this trailer looks like, um, you know, like Zack Schneider sort of three hundred blue screen bullshit um, with with kind of like a interstellar fantasy feel, and uh, nothing about it looked unique or interesting. Yeah, I thought the first um, maybe twenty five seconds of it, I was sort of into. I was like, "Oh, this, is, this could be like you know, like a uh, 
a Valerian situation where we had just like a fun sci-fi, you know, action sort of thing. But then, yeah, it just started looking really bad. Like all the effects look bad. It looks very, and like you say, the Zack Snyder looks like Sucker Punch. And it's like, yep. it's we're 15 years past Sucker Punch or more than that. So it's like, uh, probably should look better than that. Um, yeah, so that movie's, uh, I think we get, we all agree that that looks like garbage. And uh, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'll watch the first no, one. No, two depending of them. The first one. Yeah, maybe I'll watch it depending on how how uh, how long it is. Two out of the three of us are watching it. I don't. I don't know. I haven't decided. I don't know about that. <laughs> do you just like you love Zack Snyder though? I do not. I, I love him enough to pronounce his name correctly. It's Snyder, not Schneider. <laughs> no, no. But uh, <laughs> I just like him enough to pronounce his name the way that I'm pronouncing it. I uh, no, I don't. I don't like Zack Snyder very much at all. But I do think that Watchmen is good, it's, and I think you agree with that. I don't. You don't I, like I, I definitely don't agree with that. You don't like Watchmen? Watchmen is like one of my like most deflating theater experiences I've ever had. Oh, you haven't seen it since the theater? No, like it's it's like a time where I was like, this looks so good, I'm so pumped. I go yeah. to the theater and I'm immediately like, so you have a soundtrack and a camera, and that's all you have? Okay, wait. But you haven't seen it since the theater. Why would I need to see it since then? Got it. Okay. So you don't know. I, I had the exact same experience at the theater, and then I rewatched it, and it's actually pretty good. There's no way. There's no way. I, I hated it <laughs> with a passion, with a fiery passion, and then I gave it another shot, and it was, like, honestly, pretty good. I just, <laughs> like, like, I could give a fuck <laughs> about Jimi Hendrix. I, it's got nothing to do with the music, dude. I don't, what are you hung up on fucking needle drops? Anyway. I don't uh, know. Zach, they they are Zach is hung up on needle drops. Yeah, that's fair. I don't have. Yeah. I, mean, I agree with that. I don't like needle drops either. But I, don't know. I liked it in the theater, and then later on, I was like, "This is just so it's style over substance from a comic that is all substance." And yeah, but I mean, it's I I yeah, I don't know. Okay, uh, to be fair. Haven't read the comic, okay? But, okay. but it's insane. It's absolutely I, insane. I disagree that there's no substance to the film. I mean, the film has a like ob. It's if anything, it's like beating you over the head with this message because Zack Snyder is not a subtle filmmaker, obviously. But well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, it's the the substance is there if you like. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 hard to describe. It's just like there is. It's so obvious, like in service of style, rather than the substance, in my opinion. Sure. Because, like, you know, you know, I'm not going to go on a whole Alan Moore rant here, but, like, I don't know. It's just, it's not doing, and for all its style, like, it's just not doing anything interesting with the material, in my opinion. Like, yeah. Like, it's just, all right, it's a Zack Snyder movie, and. And, and those yeah, are bad. And pretty and well, pretty for the most part, yeah. Um, and yeah, and like there was also like, like there was like a glaring like. There's there's a part where like um, in the comic where they're like it's sort of a needle drop, you know, without a needle because uh, like you're reading the lyrics to uh, this Elvis Costello song, the comedian. And it's not in the movie. It's like, dude, like the one, like 
the one like good needle drop that you could have put in this movie and you didn't like just do the Roy Orbison song and the Roy Orbison version and you know let that be a good part in your movie but couldn't get, uh, couldn't get the rights couldn't get the rights you know who knows maybe could I be think they, I think they could have gotten the rights <laughs> You know, whatever. Again, uh, I haven't seen the movie in recently enough to comment on it, and I won't be watching it soon. I will. Uh, I'll just say that Zack Snyder's um, style has rubbed me the wrong way since uh, since Three Hundred. So yeah, Three Hundred is another one that I hated in theaters and then rewatched, and uh, you know, it's passable, decent. Uh, so I, I'm the opposite. Like I. That came out my freshman year of college, and I that was one of those like trailers where I was like, this is going to be the greatest movie of all time. Like, <laughs> I said the same be. thing. It has to be. <laughs> and, and actually, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good in theaters, but when I rewatched that later, I was like, ugh. Like, this is just mm. like, gross to me. It took me a long time to rewatch it, but when I finally... I mean, it was like... it was. It's been in the last two or three years I rewatched it. I thought it was, like, fine. I remember, yeah, Jonathan and I went to go see it. We thought... We were like, this is either going to be the greatest film of all time or it's complete garbage. And then we came out saying it's complete garbage. I didn't even allow myself that other thought. I was just like, never has there been a trailer as effective as 300. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> was just, I was, you know, college... Or 18-year-old brain. I was an idiot. Yeah, it was mm. great. It was great. That was a good trailer. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, what's the other trailer? Uh, uh, Maestro. That's the other big, big one. Mm. Maestro. The uh, Bradley Cooper controversial uh, Jew-faced movie. Uh, they're, saying, they're calling it that, like blackface, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That he's putting on a, a prosthetic nose, and people are upset. But the ACLU's come out and said it's fine, so... I'm okay with it, but um, and so did the family of the person he's playing. So. Right, so that I mean, you know, who, who you know, we're gonna be offended for. Anyway, uh, what'd you guys think of this incredibly short teaser, also starring Carrie Mulligan, and this is of course Bradley Cooper's uh, directorial sophomore effort after um whatever that other movie was, Stars Born. Stars Born about also about music. What'd you guys think of Maestro? Uh. To me, it looks like another typical biopic, so it's nothing very interesting for me. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know how interesting it'll be, but I, I do think um, he seems really interested in having like dual performance movies. Like it, it mm-hmm. looks like um, was it Carrie Mulligan? Yeah, it's going to have a huge role, and is and is hopefully going to be very good. Uh, just like. You know, Lady Gaga was quite good in A Star Is Born. I'm, um, you know, and I, I think that's what you you hope for from a uh, an actor turned director. At the very least, he's going to get some uh, some great performances out of the people who work with him. So you know, I'm going to see this for sure. Yeah, me too. Is this a is this a uh, Apple or Netflix thing? Or is I, this, Nef- it, I think it's Netflix. Is it Netflix? Mm. Okay. Yeah, it is Netflix. Um, who's and I want to say that he's got. What's his face shooting this again? What's that guy's name? Labatique, right? Matthew? I believe. I yeah, believe you. Labatique, yeah, he does. So, I mean, I think the trailer looks good. I think the photography mm. looks pretty solid. Um, sure. You know, a lot, you know, I mean, Kevin, you, uh, you just didn't feel anything for the the back to back motif. Nice little the conversation uh, piece. Eh, not really. I mean, <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Eh, no, nah, no, nah, it's garbage. <laughs> well, I say uh, it's garbage. I'm just saying I'm not as, interested. I'm as kidding. far as like a teaser trailer goes, I thought it was sort of a cute construction that I did not dislike. Yeah, I'm fine with it too. I think um, if anything, my only like sort of the the only thing that's like you know kicking up my spider sense at all is Cooper does appear to be sort of like. Uh, I don't know. Like he's giving a performance. He's he's giving a performance. He's like he's like he's impersonating someone, maybe a little bit more than acting. Uh, uh, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think this. I think this could be a problem. I think. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Um, so I worry and, about that. And that, this, yeah, that's definitely like. A, I worry too far that he went like too deep into actor bullshit. <laughs> so where yeah, you are just impersonating, but you know. Hopefully the movie around it is good enough. We'll have to wait and see. Um, and also, let's see, uh, Anatomy of a Fall, the Palm Door winner. Can it break the streak of awful Palm Door winners, JR? Just kidding. <laughs> JR loves all the Palm Door winners. Just kidding. I, I don't love They're all terrible. Of them, but... They're terrible. <laughs> the last several have been god awful. Anyway. You do not like Triangle of Sadness. Or or uh, Titan Titan. Oh, I didn't I didn't like Ugh. that movie either. Oh well, there you go. Did you <laughs> not like Parasite? I did like Parasite. A yeah. Lot. So fuck off. <laughs> I like Parasite <laughs> more than you, I think. So. <laughs> Listen, it was a 2019. That was not that long ago. Uh, it's, um, it's four years. But, look, I have uh, yeah. I like watching the Palm Door. I also like have disliked playing Palm Doors. Like like the fucking like Ken Loach Palm Door like uh. The like the, the wind barley? that shoots the barley, the movie sucks. Oh, I, I I don't agree with that. I don't think it sucked. I think the movie's fucking lame. It's uh, got one. It's, I, I, to be fair, I watched it when I was like twenty, so I don't know, or twenty-two. Uh, and I was that was that was right in the middle of, and, and maybe I think we talked a little bit about this last time, like uh, like the fucking what the fuck is that actor's name? Killian Murphy. Yeah. That was in like the like my deep like Killian Murphy's gonna be the greatest actor in the world. Phase. It's happening right now. <laughs> Finally, uh, only took another fifteen years. He's there. When, when the when the shakes the barley came out, <laughs> like it was right with a, some other stuff that he was doing, like Sunshine, and he was in like the Breakfast Nolan Batman Club. movies. Oh. Yeah. yeah, which I actually liked at the time. Um, but like, oh my god! Like, Nolan's gonna make him a star. It just it didn't happen in the moment. And the Wind of Shakes probably was bad. It's because he didn't cast him as Batman, even though he auditioned for it. Mm. He picked the wrong actor. I mean, Bale's performance as Batman is awful. I think Titan <laughs> is the only bad, like fucking Anatomy of a Fall this year, which we haven't seen. Triangle of Sadness, which I like. Titan, bad. <laughs> awful. Parasite, amazing. Good. Shoplifters, amazing. Didn't, the square, not good. Didn't see it. Once. I, <laughs> I, Daniel Blake, won't see it. Don't bad. care. Bad. Another Kim Loach bullshit. <laughs> D Pan <laughs> was bad. D Pan was not good. Yeah. Uh, Winter Sleep in 2014, it was never, good. Never heard of that. Blue is the warmest color. That's very good. I like that. Amor, Michael Haneke. Hey, did you did you finish listening to Film Junk? That uh, 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 the tree of life. Uh, like, I actually don't love him more, but like, I can't. I his can't review listen to was, 
I honestly I can't I, listen to Rudy yeah, talk I know. about I haven't anything. even seen him more, and his review is so unbearable. I was like, you got to stop talking, dude. This is brutal. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so since the win that shakes the barley in 2006, mm-hmm. uh, exactly one, two, three, four. I, I dislike four of them. Like Uncle Boonmi, who recalls past lives, amazing. Four months, three weeks, two days, awesome. Yeah, the White Ribbon, one of the best Michael Haneke movies. That's yeah, the, the Tree of art, Life, art movie trash. It should have cut half of it out. <laughs> uh, look, if you're if you don't like, like, you get it, Satan, that's that's a tough sit and it's not good. It's bad. The triangle Triangle of Sadness, I get why anyone, including you, doesn't like it, but uh, you know, I don't know. Anatomy. Okay. So let's get back to the trailer. Yeah, Anatomy of Fall. Okay. I, yeah, I will say that uh, I I am I am interested in the Anatomy of Fall, and I I expect to like it to be honest. Out of, like the other two, when I watched Titan, I wasn't expecting to love it, uh, and then when I watched Triangle of Sadness, I really wasn't expecting to love it. And then, uh, but Anatomy so of Fall, you I'm actually don't have an open mind about anything. But continue. I do. I just, okay. you can see no no no. You can see from the trailers and from the filmmakers a lot of the time who they are and what they've done in the past, what the movies are going to be. And then they are that. And it's just like, you know. And at Anatomy of Fall, I haven't seen... Uh, I don't believe I've seen this filmmaker's other films. Uh, Justine Triette, who did, yeah, nothing I've ever heard of. So, yeah, I'm excited to... Uh, and I think the trailer for Anatomy of Fall looks interesting. It, it's like, uh, in my wheelhouse, it looks like, you know, it's like reminds me of like the Staircase documentary or um, like true crime stuff. So, I mean, yeah. I think it looks cool, you know. I was uh, I was surprised that I could immediately recall where I've seen that uh, that lead actress. Um, yeah, she was Sandra in that, Huller. Uh, that movie. Huller, uh, Huller. Right. What's that uh, movie called? She was in. Well, now it's escaping me, but it's the uh, uh, to- Tori Erdman. Tony. Yeah, Tony, Tony Erdman. Tony right. Erdman. She's also in the uh, new uh, the, the Glazer film coming out this year, Zone of Interest. Apparently. Ooh. That's good. Yeah. Be a lot of her later. I know. I uh, yeah. I'm I'm curious, and there, I don't know. It's like depending on how they structure this like trial movie, I could be really annoyed with it, but I'm hopeful. Kevin, what do you think about this? Honestly, I had the trailer on while I was getting my stuff ready, so I didn't really. It this fucking just kind of went by me. Okay. <laughs> no, it wasn't a matter of the subtitles. It was. There were no subtitles. Well, yeah, I was just—I was doing English. other stuff while I was trying to, while what? I had it on, and because this was a last-minute addition to the trick to the trailer list. Sorry, so. the trailer that I watched right before we recorded absolutely had subtitles and was not, not in English. The one I watched, they were speaking English, and it was not dubbed. They were speaking English in accents. Yeah, so like mine was a cop, like. Sandra Huller at moments was speaking English, but it was also definitely in another language. Okay, mm. I feel I feel crazy now. Uh, I think you should. You're you're like weirding me out, dude. I've watched this trailer twice now. Um, did, did I watch an old trailer? Uh, there's only one fucking trailer of Anatomy of Fall, dude. Oh, there is. Hang on, there is a, there the one is that's. One. I watched the like minute. And a half one. Minute 20? Okay, no, you should have watched a two minute and 19 Fuck. second one. That's the problem. Alright, well, well. That makes two of us who watched the wrong trailer. The Rotten Tomatoes trailer. 
is the good one. They're all speaking why, English in that. Why, uh, would I, why would I go there? I don't. It's just the first one that comes up on YouTube, dude. Relax. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyways, yeah, I think it's interesting. I'm, I'm into it. And the last uh, movie we should talk about is uh, sort of a just out of nowhere, this Benicio Del Toro, Justin Timberlake <laughs> thriller starring a uh, great cast, Carl Glusman and Eric Bogosian and uh, Alicia Silverstone. The movie Reptile? Mm. Where did this thing come from, eh? <laughs> I, I don't know, and I don't know what to think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is like... Is this like early two thousands, like straight to DVD? Like we convinced our actor friends who are famous to like star in a, like absolute garbage. <laughs> no, I, like like I don't I don't oh. know. I, just, I don't know. Hey, it's co-written by Del Toro. I I know. I saw that. I saw uh, that, and I yeah. saw just Timberlake's busted up face. Mm. And uh, I was like, I just I don't know what to think. Honestly, he's the part of it that scares me the most because he's not reliable as an actor he's put in some good performances but then like he's also put in like not good performances mm. so i worry about him and he looks like he's having to do some real heavy lifting emotionally in this trailer um which worries me but uh benicio is so reliable that i think he'll he'll overtake that i think he'll carry the whole film quite frankly i hope so man and i love seeing uh, eric bogosian in there so yeah this was sure. this was uh, netflix too right yeah, yep. it's Netflix, yeah. It's yep. coming out in October. All right. Super psyched. Maybe by October I'll start watching movies again. Who knows? Yeah, I'm in that slump too, man. I'm in a real slump. Since school started, I got nothing done. I only have the I only have the urge to watch movies. Something's, like, truly wrong with me. This has never happened before. Usually, like, when I'm tired and I'm, like, in a crummy mood, I still, like, want to watch a movie to feel better. But something happened in August, like... I don't know what's going on, but, like, I've been tired, and, like, I'm just, like, the most I can handle is a TV show that I don't actively like. Wow. For mm. 45 minutes. I don't know what's going on. What about a TV show you do actively like? Well, it, I've done that, too. Like, I I slammed Full Circle. Yeah, uh, I noticed that. And I actually really liked it. Uh, I, I thought a lot of Full it. Circle was really cool. But I, um... But like you know, like I've been watching Justified also with Timothy, and uh, and and like, yikes! <laughs> I love Justified. This new season of Justified is not great, and I don't really. It, there's one episode left. I still don't really know what it, what it's doing, why it exists. Um, but like that's what I can handle. <laughs> you you love Justified? Uh, yes, I I very much do. <laughs> okay, I didn't know that. Sorry. Uh, hey, like whatever you like, man. I've only watched one episode of Justified. That was enough for me. But, uh, you know, that was a long time ago, too. It's when it first aired. So yeah. mm. I watched it because Walton Goggins was in it. Mm. And I mean, like I so like I, I initially started the silo show on Apple because Graham Yost was a co-creator. Yeah. Graham Yost, and uh, Graham Yost yeah. is the Justified speed. guy. Yeah. And justified. He had a great show on NBC in the early 2000s called Boomtown that I was obsessed with as a teenager. Yeah. Cop show. Never saw it. It was, a co it was good. It had, um, what's his face in it? Neil McDonough. Mm. That, I remember that guy, yeah. No, him, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, all right. Well, that's our trailers. Let's uh, get into what we watched. And it's been a while. And uh, even though it's been a while, I have, you know, just a few. But how do you, how many do you guys have? Tons. Uh, Wait, uh, hold it. 
Uh-oh. Were, we doing, were we doing deep dive first? Oh! Oh! <laughs> Kevin, with the save. I totally Sa- forgot edit about that. Edit it out. Edit okay. it out. Uh, well, we didn't talk about this before the show, though. We didn't iron it out here. What are we yeah, doing? Yeah. We're, we're going to do Serpent and the Rainbow first? Yeah. I mean, okay. we can try it. You can do it? All right. Yeah, let's, sure. You know what? Fuck it. Let's start with Serpent and the Rainbow. This is what we decided. This is our deep dive. Yeah, this is our deep dive. Uh, it's uh, Kevin's pick. It's directed by Wes Craven. It's from 1988. It stars Bill Pullman, Kathy Tyson, Zakes, Mokay, Paul Winfield, and others. Uh, Paul Guilfoyle and Michael Goff are also in this. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a movie about a... I'm just going to say what it's about real quick, and then I'll turn it over to you, Kevin. It's a Harvard anthropologist is sent to Haiti to retrieve a strange powder that has the power to bring human beings back from the dead. And then uh, crazy shit happens. Kevin, why this movie? So I had seen this movie, I don't know, shoot, uh, maybe even 10 years ago. Um, And I remembered it being like an interesting concept. If, you know, I remembered very little about the movie itself. And that was very obvious while I was watching it again. Um, but yeah, like Wes Craven is a person who like, you know, he comes up with interesting concepts for films. So, um, I figured it was worth a shot. Um, cause you know, we don't do a ton of horror on here and it was something that you guys hadn't at least logged at least. So I had not seen yeah. this prior to this, uh, viewing, um, hmm. at all. Okay, JR, have you seen this? No, and I I feel like I had never heard of it, never noticed it. Like I had, it, it, it's like how did I miss that Wes Craven had had directed sort of like a a much more like realistic type of uh, like horror thriller thing? Like I totally totally skipped my notice. I was aware of this film because of um, Cursed Films. They did an episode on it, but. Um... Other than Did it that. have to do with like the location stuff? It had to do with all the yeah the revolution that was going on at the time and uh, the mm-hmm. danger of having to film in Haiti and the fact they had to move to uh, Dominican Republic right or, to, or is it vice versa? No, they're in Haiti. Right? Uh, yeah, they yeah. moved to the Dominican Republic, which right. again it's not moving very far. Right, same same island, but sure. So uh, yeah, it was all about that. And then, they, but Wes Craven was passed on by the time the show was made, so they were interviewing his son. And uh, they interview Bill Pullman, and it's pretty. It's a pretty good episode. It's interesting, you know. Um, but yeah, what did you guys uh, think of the actual film? So, just just to continue the thing about concepts, like this movie, I think overall could have done with less narrative, less structure. I think, hmm. like. I think it establishes something interesting with Pullman, like being in the Amazon and, you know, essentially being roofied by a shaman. (laughs) Uh, But, but then like, you know, but then it gets very like, okay, like now we have to hold the audience's hand. Like he has to go to, you know, there's with the narration and then him having to go back to Boston to be given the assignment and, you know, like the kind of lurking um, 
corporate criticism of, you know, like the pharmaceutical companies. Not that that's not deserved, but like I feel like it's just it puts so much of a template type of narrative onto the concept. I think for me that was the biggest reason well, why this suffered in my opinion so kevin um this sorry this needs a uh, like a citation but the most popular review on letterbox says that this was originally supposed to be or was originally being developed by peter weir uh with Ooh. mel gibson which again i can find no evidence of that online outside of this letterbox review <clears throat> but like can you imagine if this like had the vibes of uh of the last wave say like totally just like i don't know yeah like, yeah successfully uh, like, mystical i would say if uh, we, yeah if we got last wave peter weir instead of mosquito coast peter weir well sure <laughs> i mean well, he's gonna be i'm not i'm not trying to shit on mosquito coast but he's gonna be yeah, tre- no, treating the material I get, I get. Way, similar to the last wave i think is jr's point right because it's yeah 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 mystical and spiritual and weird and yeah so and that's something i was uh thinking about as i watched it as well just like um i i don't know that west craven was like the best choice for this however i think the material itself was uh consistently and constantly like just engaging uh mm. i i had a lot of questions about some decisions and i had a lot of questions about like narrative motivations and and i feel like if if i had a, a different director i wouldn't have had those questions about narrative motivations because those wouldn't have mattered um yeah but um i overall in, enjoyed this I, I i was pretty into what was happening even when i was uh unsure of of things and uh all even when i also was yelling at my screen at uh bill pullman whom I actually really did not like in this movie. You were yelling at your screen? Yeah, not literally, but I oh. like <laughs> there were there were several moments when I was like, Phil Pullman, why are you ruining this? Aw. Yeah. <laughs> you and know, I, I I thought I liked him. And maybe I, I do. But I didn't like him in this. Well, I we could talk about that. I think Bill Pullman is um a sort of middle tier, you know, like he's not I don't think he's a great actor, but I think that, you know, he's certainly I have a note in my notes, he's giving it his all. You know what I mean? Like he's really Mm. trying hard. And I mean, maybe he's going over the top in certain situations, but he's like, you could tell he's like, he's in it. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's earning his paycheck, I guess, you know, he's not, he's not trying to coast here. He's uh, trying to do something and maybe it's not always Mm. working, but I think it's working for me. It works for the level of movie that this is. Uh, And I think Wes Craven maybe wanted this to be like a more, um, prestigious serious uh uh film than a you know than his other sort of 80s slasher stuff that he'd done but i don't think that it necessarily rises above most of that stuff in my opinion mm. I, I'd, yeah. I'd agree with that john about um yeah like he's definitely going for a lot and like you know trying at least yeah, you know, yeah. a, a for effort you know exactly exactly <laughs> For effort, it's like it's like him oh in uh, Independence God. Day. You know, it's like you watch Independence Day. It's like, is it a great performance? No, not really. But it's like it's it it, it works for what the movie is. You know, like, when, sure, yeah, yeah. So I guess it's unfortunate that like they decided that the only way that we would accept that he's gone through like 
uh, part of the zombie process if they put like this absurd white makeup on him and had him yeah. stumble around everywhere. Like they he's, don't make the other zombies. Dead, they don't make the other zombies do that though. They're black and like he's white. <laughs> they also don't stumble around the way that he stumbles around. You're saying like they're they're more athletic than he is? No, no, no. We don't. Okay, that's that, now you're getting a little. Let's relax here. No, uh, so I'm saying that um, you don't ever see the other zombies in that in that state. You don't see no. them right after they've risen. Like you see him right after he's escaped the grave. Well, you're right. And this, come at me, bud. Again, <laughs> no. This, and the, the the zombies themselves, I have a lot of questions about. Like, we only see a couple of the zombies, but like, we're told that Kristoff is unique and that he has the ability to speak and has a memory. Uh, and the only other one we see is someone who is just like she's totally broken. She just stands and stares in the, yeah. the, that mental wing, and it's like you should have showed me some more zombies because I don't really understand what's happening. And also, I'm never clear why anyone is making zombies. Uh, I get that Zake's uh, McKay is like collecting souls, mm. but like, can, why do they have to be zombies to collect their souls? I'm, I'm really, they have confused. to die. So their soul can be separated from their mortal uh, vessel, bud. Cool. So why can't you just kill them? Why do they have to be zombies after that? Cause then it would be a movie. They <laughs> are. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I honestly, yes, I just, this, this is what I was saying. Like, there's, you know, like there, like the the narr- the narrative that we have is like there are questions that aren't being they're being presented, but then they're not answered, and like, uh, y- you know, like that that whole like you you guys might disagree, but I think the whole sequence when he like goes back to um, Boston and is just kind of hanging around for a little bit and then like you know zakes like puts puts his hand through the soup and possesses the woman you know like i don't know i think that whole sequence was pretty needless oh really you know well i mean it's i think the the whole thing is maybe like five or six minutes and next thing you know he's back in haiti well yeah it's like could have instead of putting him on a plane could we just have beheaded mozart and and killed lucian yes <laughs> the answer to that is yes um mm. like in i don't know that i needed this movie to be like more efficient i think it's already short um i guess maybe Wes craven like wanted to take us out of haiti for a minute and like show us that like this isn't just a fever dream like this is like a real thing that other people can uh can see and experience and will believe. Yeah, I don't know if that's necessary, but that's that's kind of what I, I was know. thinking about. I mean, I have I have the note pacing isn't great, so I guess I agree with you about the. But I do. But I thought that scene was effective. Like I like the idea of the hand coming out of the soup. I think a lot of the imagery in the movie is like the best thing about it, like the dream sequences yeah. and stuff and the violence. Mm. Like, that shit is like really worked for me. Um, mm. and I, and it, it just reminded me of um, Altered States a lot. Like the whole movie was like it's like a poor man's Altered States because it's ah. like this, they got like the American like medical scientific community who is trying to like you know exploit the uh, <laughs> supernatural shamanistic um, whatever medicine drugs and stuff for, for to figure out to do experiments to figure out how they can use it and um, you know it just reminded me a lot of that like that juxtaposition. So what what were they gonna do with it? 
I, I don't Pullman, know. Pullman's like, we're going to save two million lives. He said, there was like, it, it was supposed to be like, it was going to be like the ultimate anesthetic. But like, right. oh, yeah, so, right. you know, the two million lives are these people who are dying while under the knife? Are they people who are dying from the anesthesia specifically? Like, how think, does this medicine save lives? I think that was it. Like, the anesthesia itself is what kills people. And, okay. but, but, well, you know, this is getting into the weeds, which the movie doesn't need to do. But, I mean, you know, like, that, this movie that put could, me that in, it put more, me in the weeds. Yeah, yeah. That could be more down to, you know, bad anesthesiologists or, you know, like, um, like, uh, uh, what's Charles Dance's character in uh, Alien 3, you know, like all these people died not because of the fire, but because I prescribed the wrong dosage of painkiller because I was drunk. Right. Like, um, Fuck. what's his face in uh, Manchester by the Sea? Mm. Casey Affleck. Just a similar situation. Gets hammered and then his family dies in a fire. Spoiler, sorry. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> Uh yeah. Any uh sorry. Yeah. Oh, I have a uh, I have a line that I thought was good. Only one this time. But uh when he says uh don't let them bury me, I'm not dead. That's a good line. The way he delivers it is good too, speaking of Pullman's excellent performance. <laughs> I I love that sequence. Yeah. Mm. That's good stuff. Sequence. It's generally uh, it works as like a, a, a an actual an actual maybe like uh, you know potentially scary moment in an otherwise sort of you know not overly effective uh, on scares type of horror film. I mean, like I didn't mm. find it scary personally, uh, but I mean, no, you know. yeah, like, I think you hit the nail on the head with supernatural thriller. Mm-hmm. It's like, is it okay that like I all I didn't find anything scary or anything, but I have, I also found the imagery to be like effective. Of course, like, like starting with the Amazon sequence and like the uh, the pilot with the worms coming out of his mouth and stuff. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And like yeah, that yeah. whole like I left that sequence being like, like Bill Pullman, why are you convinced that that pilot is dead? Like, like me, you know, like you're you're clearly tripping. You know, you're tripping. Um, and you're just going to walk 200 miles through the Amazon, tripping, also, following yeah, like, a following yeah. a jaguar. I like that too. I like the jaguar sequence where he he like plays with the jaguar and then it cuts oh, to yeah. like him without anything and he's just like rolling around in yeah. the jungle. I, mm. I liked it. Oh. I liked it a great deal. Um, yeah. But the uh, but yeah, not not scary though. I kind of agree with Kevin. Then I think the more the more I think about that initial comment, Kevin, of like less plot heavy, you know, like like less things to mm. think about as far as like or to keep track of like it could have just been like a like well, a, you know him experiencing this drug in the jungle and you know uh running into maybe some problems getting it back but there's, there's mm. so much like there's some there's so many different people that are after him for different reasons and then there's a lot of motivation problems with like okay like i feel like if somebody put a nail through my scrotum like i'm never going back anywhere near the place where that happened you know i'm gonna mm. get out of the country immediately like whatever you win you know what i mean like like yeah. but, but he's not turned off by that though he's not he's not deterred and did you mm. but did you feel like that moment was enough to make the nail like the climactic symbol for the bad guy what, what do we like, like well, like the so him getting a nail through his scrotum is that enough mm. to justify 
using a nail through Zeke's scrotum to oh. as like a thing as a way to trap him in hell. Um, I was like, no. I don't know if this image was powerful no. enough the first time around. Yeah, Honestly, I, I just found so. it kind of like out of place and weird that it happened in the first place. I was like, this is a weird like mm. thing to do to someone, and like, I, if it had more and, like, and, like that, that spirit had to tell him like, hey, nail. He put a nail through your penis. Put a nail through his penis. It's just my, she didn't my, say it. She just pointed. Like if the if the it's less about for me. It's less about the the nail connecting at the end to what happened earlier. It's like if the the nail had some kind of symbolic meaning to begin with, going through mm. his scrotum, then it would have made more sense for them to have done that as a right. as a method of torture. But it's like there's other ways you could have tortured him that yeah. are like less extreme and seem like almost maybe they'd be more effective. And yeah. then it's like and then it's like again you're. Yeah. hammering his testicles and he doesn't leave it's insane it's like no man is going to well, hang around well, he's he's like he's yeah. like it's just it's just he's like it's just one nail through the scrotum <laughs> didn't it's go fine. through my testicle just the skin yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's great like so in the um in that initial trip in the amazon which is before we've been to haiti and we've actually seen zakes mckay already but we without any context uh mm. but like in that trip you know, he, like, the chieftain covers himself with his, like, cowl, and then uh, Bill Pullman opens it, and we see Zakes McKay, the bad mm. guy from 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 later. Yeah. And, mm. uh, and then he, like, falls into the pit with the hands. It's really, like, interesting. And then at the end, um, when Lucien, uh, when his soul, when Lucien's soul is released, like, that's when we see, like, the jaguar in front of... Um, Bill Pullman in Haiti, and it's like, I was was Lucian like the responsible for the Jaguar spirit the entire time, and like so like there there's like this idea of connection between these two locations and mm. everything that Bill Pullman has gone through in multiple places that like I don't think is tied together, and I'm really like curious like thinking about it, and again with a different creative team, I think mm-hmm. these connections could have been more effective. Uh, and, and or rather, these connections wouldn't have mattered because it all would have been like a a sort of just like a, a trip. Like I just would have been along for the trip. I agree, Jr. Like yeah, because like like in the Amazon, he talks about like some sort of like ominous, you know, faceless threat. And yeah, it's like if he had like I don't know gone to different countries and then sort of like further towards the end ended up in Haiti to then see that maybe you know it was um, Zakes running you know running the whole thing through this like network of you know soul things you know like you know like make him you know a voodoo uh, pinhead you know like Cenobites and whole thing Mm. um yeah, like, yeah, I think I think it might might have been more compelling. I I agree, and I was I have I actually had that note too. I was like that that in that just in the hands of like a better filmmaker, it could have been more scary, more creepy, more effective. Uh, they would have trimmed the fat. They would have you know just told a different story probably, but you know mm-hmm. it would just had to have been probably rewritten. And but uh, speaking of the last sequence, though, where they're where they're fighting in the panther or not the panther, the uh, jaguar spear comes out. I actually like that effect. I thought that looked really nice. Um, yeah, it coming out of the out of him and everything. And uh, 
I thought the final like fight sequence was like it gets a little goofy, you know, but it's like that effect was really good and um I mean, it, a lot of and I like solid, so. I like the release of all the, the souls, not just the uh, mm-hmm. the jaguar. Mm. Like the way that you sort of like see him, um, see Zake sort of like lit on fire by effect, and that transition into like a body actually being on fire. Yeah, uh, I really liked that. Uh, that was that good look too, and yeah. transition. Mm-hmm. Um, That's like an example of something where like you'd never have. It'll never look that good again, actually, because they would never like they'd honestly they probably never light a person on fire these days, and then they would definitely yeah. stage everything. Well, <laughs> and, and like yeah, the the idea of even like using that sort of like overlay effect to then transition mm-hmm. into an actual body like that would never right. I don't think that would occur to anyone. Mm. Uh, it's just like it's just like a weird. So it's a weird thing to do based on like you know, and, and it was cool that Wes uh, Craven was like spirit realm shit. Then it becomes real, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that would happen now. Best thing yeah. about the film, you guys ready? Mm-hmm. The title card, amazing title card. For it sure. was yeah. so surprising. <laughs> it's good though. I mean, it yeah. is. Yeah. I don't know. It's good. I yeah. don't. I I think because of like, so, I actually uh, I started this movie on my phone on like a. I'm not gonna call it like an illegal website, but it was like you know, it was like one of those like one two three movies dot com kind of deal. Yeah, that is an illegal yeah. website. That's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, like you can enter it from the regular internet, whatever. Um, movies that makes, that makes it, it totally legal. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. But like, it's if fine. you're just looking at like the poster for this, which is Bill Pullman's like white makeup, like coming out of a grave, like it, it just like I don't think you. I didn't know what this movie was, so like I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know it's like based on, on like this this sort of like uh, voodoo stuff. So like when I see like that that deep bright red, and um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know like that that font and that style was just really surprising and uh, really cool. Mm. And it's the the title's giving you nothing. I'm surprised like the studio didn't make up change the title. Like it, like what does it mean? It's got well, you know. It's like it doesn't I, tell the audience anything about what the movie is. I'm guessing like they made him add that quick title card for that yeah. reason. Mm. It was like the serpent is the earth and the rainbow is heaven or something. Not that that makes anything less confusing, but that um, the uh, that that little note felt like a. A studio note. How'd you guys feel about Pullman's narration throughout the film? I think it's pretty stilted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I, mean, I thought it was unnecessary. You know, I saw. I was like, yeah, everything he's saying is stuff you should be getting from what's happening. Like you, you don't, you don't need to hear this stuff. It's just like it's mm. like he's telling you shit that you already are supposed yeah. to know by this time. So my uh, my first note was, did we have to stab the guy's eye with a needle to confirm death? Oh, that was and, a hard uh, and then, <laughs> and, and the same note, apparently, yes, since he was crying inside the coffin. Uh, but then the second note was, I can already tell we don't need Pullman's narration. <laughs> like, you yeah. can tell immediately, I don't need this. Yeah. Uh, but I also, I noticed it less as we went on. I know it didn't go away, but like, like, mm. like many uh, uses of narration, it's, it's heavy in the beginning. And, uh, you know, we need it less as we go because we're more in the moment. Mm. Um, 
I thought um, the score also, like I was into the score at the beginning, and then similarly it dropped off and became just like cheap synth sounding, like garbage toward the end, like cheap mm. Casio sounding shit. And uh, at the beginning there was like all those cool rhythms and stuff, but mm. I don't know, it just sort of devolved into really bad shit up by the end. Yeah. What do you guys think of um, the other performances besides uh, Pullman's? Like, oh, uh, the female doctor, Kathy Tyson. I thought she looked mm. really nice. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about her performance. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. If, uh, I, uh, I feel like, uh, you know, I liked Guilfoyle and Michael Goff. I thought they were, like, fine as, like, the sort of, you know, corporate mm. pinheads uh, who are trying to, you know, push for profit and everything and uh you know yeah i I, I think the only person that they like gave enough material to is uh is the guy who played mozart uh brent jennings like i thought he was like the most fun and interesting uh local haitian um sure yeah like he you know you know he like got to be like embarrassed and like show a couple layers and then be beheaded but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but like everyone else, like I don't, I just like don't think they get to do enough. Like uh, and like Zeke's McKay, like I thought he was fine. Um, but like uh, you know, like our our unique zombie Kristoff, uh, like he doesn't get to do like anything interesting. Uh, his sister, who is there, just gets to be like beheaded in a, in a bed. It, like like mm. I don't think this movie does like any um, anything generous for its. Uh, you know, it's it's like it's you know the, the people who are supposed to be like local, like they're like in this, like the people who are dealing with this constantly, not just uh, you know Bill Pullman gets to like fly in, fly out, you know, like mm. and but these people are like living in the shit, they're living in poverty, they're dealing with this, they're singing all the time, but they don't get to do anything interesting at all. Yeah, and oh. I think uh, I think Zakes McKay is like he's creepy, but not in like that's that's about it. Like there's no yeah. like there's no like depth to the creepiness. There's no real like I don't know, like I don't I don't buy him as like a you know like he's sort of presented as like this you know super villain, but I don't know he's just on an on an island you know. Um, oh. But also in With, the Amazon, a, a, kinda, yeah. So, but uh, yeah. but again, like that doesn't, you know, it doesn't really go anywhere. So well, he he also yeah. I mean, uh, he's yeah. He's like one dimensional, right? Like he doesn't have mm. any sort of like. And I I agree with like what Jr. said earlier. I mean, I actually have that note. I didn't realize it, but like he, it's unclear at the end of the movie like what he wanted <laughs> exactly. You know, like mm. outside of you know just he wants to capture souls, but it's it, like. But he, and he's know. also like. He's like a secret police type guy for uh, the mm-hmm. Haitian government as well, which was like I get like all right, let's make him part of the the established uh, power and authority that is going to be overthrown. But like that that threat is not investigated. Mm. I don't think uh, people are, it, but it does mean that people are scared of him for multiple reasons. Sure, yeah. Also, um, I, I have the note that I. Um this would have been like impossible for me to watch as a teenager. Cause like being buried alive was like my biggest fear as a kid. Like I was uh, terrified of it. it. Scared the piss out of me. It's why I never watched, um, what's that Donald Sutherland movie where he, no Kiefer Sutherland. And, um, 
and what's his face? Uh, uh, Dark City. No, Kiefer Sutherland and um, Jeff Bridges, where he buries him alive. It's like a thriller. It's based on a Norwegian film or something. Insomnia. No, it's the other. It's the other one. <laughs> oh, it's got. It's got what's his face? Stellan Skarsgård is in the original. Or with the dragon tattoo. Oh fuck! That me. sounds like insomnia. You guys don't know what I'm talking about. No, Stellan Skarsgård is in the original. Mm-hmm. Insomnia. I don't know. No, I know. I thought. I thought he's. I think he might be in the. This is a remake also of a of a. It's like Insomnia, but it's a like you know remake of the, the Vanishing. Song. Yes, The Vanishing. Mm. Oh God! <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård in The Vanishing. I thought he was in the original, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I think that's uh, Dutch, not oh, is well, it? whatever. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll look it up. Um, anyways, it's like that movie. Like I was always terrified to watch that movie as a kid, mm. and then I, I actually watched it in the last maybe six or seven years, and it's just garbage. So, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you know, I probably should. I don't agree. Like, like the Keeper Sutherland's garbage, or the, the original Keeper one? Sutherland film. I never watched the original. Okay. I didn't I've always watched the original until I watched the remake. I've always seen the original, and uh, they're I both by the same I director, though. So I mean, I don't know. Mm. Not, don't you dare say they're the same. They're by the same director. Um, I don't know, dude. Like, they're. <laughs> I would imagine the earlier one is garbage too. <gasps> this one's got Jeff Bridges in it. I mean, he's a pretty good actor, know. and he's not good in this. So yeah, I know. I, I believe yeah. like The Vanishing, also from nineteen ninety eight. Nineteen eighty eight is like a. I don't know. It's just like a highly acclaimed. Movie, it's it's good. Mm-hmm. I'll look. I'll I'll check this. Uh, I'll check out this 1993 thing. I'll see. Um, he's from France. The filmmaker is the original film French. Dude, I don't. I don't know, man. I don't either. Anyway, um, he. Yeah, you're right though. Uh, what's his face? No, it's, is in, it's not in it. So. It's Dutch. Oh, okay. The, sorry. The, like, uh, it's French, German, Dutch, but the language spoken in the film is is Dutch. Sure. Mm. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, that's all the notes I have for uh, Serpent in the Rainbow. I, uh, I I I come around like I'm. For me, it's like, it's like uh, I just kept thinking. I, I really wanted to give Wes Craven the benefit of the doubt while I was watching it, but I was just kept coming across as like I was like thinking about. It, I was like, this is such a Wes Craven movie. It's like a, it's like a swing and a miss. It's like he, he he's just not good enough to make this that great. You know. Mm. Like he's he's a slasher director, and and he and he reached his pinnacle with the slasher genre, making Scream ten years later, is and that, that's where it ends for him. Is that his best movie, for Scream? your opinion? Yeah, yeah, for me it is. I, I've not, I look at, to be fair, I haven't seen everything. I mean, I've seen maybe like five of his movies, so I don't. Oh, know. this I think this is the eleventh movie I've seen of his. Mm. Um, like I never saw Last House on the Left. I never saw well, I, uh, I, I Hills Have Eyes. Like I don't like it. Well, from what I understand, Last House on the Left is a remake of Virgin Spring. Right, it that's is. what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Only with, you know, more insane horribleness and violence. Well, sure. <laughs> You'd have yeah. to have um, more insane horribleness and violence. <laughs> I think Last House on the Left is, like, just really, really bad. Um, what do you think his best movie is? No, I mean, like, from what I've seen, I, I think it's Scream, but... Okay. Uh, I also like the first Nightmare on Elm Street okay. movie. But like I, I slotted this in at number three, uh, which again it's like I, I thought he had two, I thought he had two good movies, uh, Scream and the Nightmare on Nightmare on Elm Street. This is his third best movie. I forgot you have <laughs> a list of all the movies you've seen. 
every like, filmmaker ever. Oh my god! I have dude. a list. No, you that's don't. Not, that's not. No, it's not true. I remember hating his entry in Paris Jatim. I did not like any of the other screams that he directed. I like one and four. Four is okay, and one is good. And uh, I saw the new Nightmare when I was a kid, like in 1994, and uh, remember just like sort of not caring about it. And uh, I think that's it. Well, I've seen yeah seven of his films, so I guess that's one, two, three, four. Hmm. Five, six. I don't know what the seven. Oh yeah, Serpent and Rainbow. Yes, that's it. Six of the twelve I've seen are two stars or less. What about Curse? Like, have you been interested in that at all? Jesse Eisenberg and Christina Ricci and like a werewolf movie. I don't know. Uh, no, I mean, I've I never seen it, but I don't, I don't know. No. It's. I know it's PG thirteen, which kind of bums me out. But <clears throat> anyway, um, I'm going to give uh, Serpent and the Rainbow two and a half. Um, I'm gonna stuff, but doesn't work all the, all the way. Sorry, I'm gonna go same reasoning, but uh, just m- uh, happier. I'm gonna go three and a half. I really like uh, nails through scrotums. Nice, <laughs> nice. And I'm uh, splitting the difference. I'm going three. Oh, hey, perfect. <laughs> all right. Well, now that that's out of the way, <laughs> let's get on to what we watched. Uh, section of the show where we talk about what we watched over the past month. Ooh, what our okay? What? It's just we don't know the format. We didn't talk about it. It's like when do we do the homework? When do we? Oh, when we do can roll? do the homework. Any time during what we watch. Oh yeah, we have to talk about uh, Letterbox Roulette. Though we have to do that first, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. What I'm, that's what I'm we're, we're the worst, dude. Okay, Letterbox Roulette. Okay, well listen to this. It's Bill Pullman. We gotta iron mm. shit out. We gotta we gotta iron it out. Hang on, we already talked about this. We did talk about this part. We said yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's Bill Pullman. It's Bill Pullman. So uh, I just have to get the movie back up now. <laughs> or Bill Pullman's name anyway. Up anyway. Uh, Bill Pullman, and I already have the movie uh, that we're gonna have to watch. Whoever loses. So okay, cool. Um, so Bill Pullman, star of ninety six films. Jared, what's your number? My number is eighteen. Kevin, what's your number? Eleven. JR, I'm about to pick up my monitor and throw it against the wall right now. I've got 17 Bill Pullman movies. <laughs> I'm so pissed. Like, how <laughs> could I lose this? Uh, you haven't seen insane. Casper, probably? I don't know. I have seen Casper. I haven't seen the Equalizer movies, have you? No. What? No, of course not. What is it then? You've seen The Grudge, I guess. The remake of The Grudge? Uh, no. Oh, I don't know. A league of their own? And oh. I haven't seen I haven't seen uh I haven't seen singles. Have you seen newsies? I've, yes, I've never seen Lake Placid. I have seen newsies. Okay, I've have I have seen singles and haven't seen newsies. So what the fuck? Like where is your other movie? Well, we can go on all day with this. But anyways, Titan uh, AE, I don't know. Okay, I've not seen that. Maybe that is it. Maybe we've just seen like almost all the same things and then you've seen Titan AE. Anyway, uh, I knew I should have watched The Ballad of Lefty Brown when I had the chance. I, <laughs> this thing's been in my watch list for like seven years now. <laughs> I haven't watched it. Unbelievable. Is that the Michigan one? It's a Western film where he plays uh, an no. aging uh, outlaw. No, sorry, I'm thinking of the Jeff Daniels directorial movie, right? He Isn't he the guy from Michigan? Michigan? I don't even know what that is, dude. What? It's a state. Are you saying? Oh, you're saying he's from Michigan, the state. Either Bill Pullman or Jeff Daniels is from Michigan, the state. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't. And they made a movie about it. They made a movie about the fact that they're from Michigan. Sorry, it's and it's definitely Jeff Daniels. 
Hold on. Let, I gotta I gotta find this now. Jeff Daniels directed a movie that's like about being a um Oh, you watch Dark Waters. I haven't seen that shit. Fuck. Okay. You bet you can um, log the center. I ha- exactly. I could have logged the center. Is that on here? I'm going to log it right now. <laughs> try try. Look for Escanaba it. and the Moonlight. Directed uh-huh. by Jeff Daniels from 2001. A macho man and a family on the eve of deer hunting season must deal with the eldest son's curse of never having bagged a buck. This is like a like an Upper Peninsula... Like um, Michigan comedy, okay. Directed by a guy from Michigan, and I thought it was Bill Pullman, but it's Jeff Daniels. It's the other, the other guy. Just some mm-hmm. passion project that no one's ever seen. Correct, but it's like something that's been on my watch list for a long time. Anyway, Why? it's been on my watch list long enough that I didn't remember which white actor directed it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's not the center's not on his thing on Letterbox. It's such bullshit. God damn it! Anyway, <laughs> I'm looking. I'm like desperately looking for things that I have seen and just haven't marked. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's I've been the making movie a, you're watching. What's the movie been, you're watching? Oh, sorry. The, the movie we're watching is uh, uh, well, the movie that I'm watching with Kevin, right? Mm. Is uh, it's called Delete's Flagrance. It's a documentary, a French documentary about uh, suspects being interviewed by the deputy public prosecutor. I don't know. It seems kind of interesting. It's called Delete's flagrance D-E-L-I-T-S it's direct, directed by Raymond Depardon who well, has a has a, uh, uh, a uh, whatever you call it, a scene in Chacun Son Cinema and, uh, and another one in Lumiere and Company mm. I've never he's, heard of this cool. I guess he's a documentary filmmaker mm. I don't know I think it looks pretty cool you guys want me to like share it okay. in the chat so you guys yes, can please. Yeah. see what it is because I know it's like hard to look up. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm fine watching this, assuming we can find it. Is uh, it uh in the chat? Okay. It's a short. It's 109 minutes. Okay. Normal. Okay. Yeah, it's you know doable. I mean, provided Kevin's okay with it. Sure. I mean. Okay. If I, I mean, if, and if if we can't find a copy, we'll just, um, you know, we'll play it by ear and figure out something during the week. Cool. But um, none of us anyway. watch movies anymore. It's fine. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so yeah, let's uh, move on to what we watched. All right. Uh, well, starting with whoever who's you know who? we had the biggest like month in movies. In recent memory, since we last talked, uh, like I mean, oh, like Oppenheimer and Barbie. Yeah, you reviewed Oppenheimer, but like yeah. neither of us, it's none of us had seen Barbie, and Barbie and Oppenheimer have become. Um, I mean, like Oppenheimer is going to be one of the like the most successful R-rated movies ever, mm-hmm. and Barbie is you know is like a day away from being the uh, most profitable or like most highest grossing movie of the year. Sure, it's not there already. I'm sure um, it's there already. Yeah, last time I looked, it was like seven million away from uh, Mario. But um, isn't but it yeah, crazy like, that isn't it crazy how often now a movie makes over a billion dollars? Like it's just like how insane. There, well, there was a mil- a minute like in 2019 where it was like we're gonna have like five billion dollar movies a year. That's crazy, and that's just gonna be normal. And now it's like. 
two per year, but yeah. Anyway, it's still uh, an insane amount of money. So. so, like, I mean, I don't know. Should we talk Barbie? Sure. And, and Kevin, you have not seen Barbie. No, I haven't. All right, dude. Whatever, man. I would... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, got a lot of shit going on. That's uh, all yeah. good. Um, yeah, I saw Barbie the day after I think we recorded, and then I ended up seeing it again because my kid really likes it and wanted to see it again. So we saw it again maybe a week or two later. And uh, for me, Jr. Barbie is a five-star movie, and even more than that, uh, best of the year so far, in my opinion. So, Which is uh, both insane and cool. Insane, like, uh, that's not fair. Insane just because, like, man, I, I did I'm such not, a man, right? I did not know. I, I did not think you were like the movie. I thought you were going to have like some of the issues that I have where like you couldn't get over some of the corporate stuff. Um, the Bull Ferrell stuff, you mean? Uh, and also just like oh, just how the fact that it's like it is by a commercial. Mattel. Yeah, it's sure. Like, yeah, it's a great commercial, and it's trying to be like a subversive commercial, but yet you are still yeah. a commercial. Um, and, but but there is, and I thought you'd be really annoyed by um, after I saw it. I thought you'd be really annoyed by some of the Ken stuff. Really, but uh, but you seem to have liked the Ken stuff. No, it's like the funniest stuff in the movie is Ken. It was, it was Ken enough for you, so that's good. It was Ken enough. I, you know, I'm and I'm not it, honestly. The hardest part about liking this movie as much as I do is how much other people I don't like like it. Right. So uh, that's yeah. the problem. No, but I, I mean that that's like a very just like normal yeah. sort of like I grew up with punk rock attitude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I get that. Um, I I think that the uh, the idea of the uh, like you say, the corporate commercialness of it. Um, you know, I couldn't explain why that doesn't bother me, but I, maybe it's just because, like, I find it so extremely clever and funny and, like, well-made and uh, extremely well-written and, like, acted that I just sort of, like, look past that as a as a problem, maybe. I don't know. Like, I, I mean, also, it's like... Uh, Sort of like I hate to. I would never you know, pick my words wisely here. I was about to say I was going to give Mattel credit. I don't want to give Mattel any credit, but but because uh, they are just like you know a you know just bullshit you know <laughs> corporation who wants to make money, obviously. But um, the fact that they that that you know this movie goes out of its way to point at at Barbie as being a problematic thing, uh, you know that, and they don't. And they sort of like, um, I want to say they like sort of, I mean, they just acknowledge it a lot in this movie. The fact that, you know, that Barbie is not, has not been great. No, and I, and I love that like Margot Robbie's Barbie that cannot comprehend that. Right. Like, I, I, like her dealing with the real world, uh, is funny and her dealing with the real world plus like her dealing with like the idea that she has not saved the world is fantastic. Yes. Um, and I love it's, the, it's uh, the, uh, the just the structure of it is so smart. Like going to the real world is great, but the, any other filmmaker and writer would have kept her in the real world the whole fucking movie. And this one very smartly gets her out of there immediately and puts her <laughs> right back into the 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 the, the Barbie yeah. world, where which has changed, which is also oh, brilliant. Yes, like, having know, poisoning Ken in the real world and bringing oh, him back is so great. that was so good. Yes. I, I was so happy that like 
not only is Ken feeling these these stupid Ken thoughts, Ken <laughs> is going to take these stupid Ken thoughts back and poison everything. That's brilliant. Uh, I loved it, and, and and also like you know like these sort of like viral things in the movie, like they only work because like the context in which they're presented in the movie is like so good. Uh, like the like the Ken battle, and yeah. uh, and like the Ken song, like like the movie earns these very silly moments, and I I really appreciate it. I think the Ken song also just the way that it's uh, the way that it changes and it sh- like the, it turns it becomes like a musical moment, you know, where they they go onto that stage and everything, and they're dancing in sequence. Like that's just good stuff. Like I don't know. Like I, yeah. I like I. I was totally like I agree. It like earns it. It's like totally fine at that point, you know, to have that. And the song is is. Um, I would I would stop short of saying it's like a good song for me, but it's like a good. It's good oh. in that it's well written and it's doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah. And it's uh, the lyrics are like meaningful and fun and funny um, at the same time. So. But but the, uh, but the music in general. Just works so well, like the yeah. having Ken be obsessed with Push by uh, Matchbox Twenty. Um, I, I could not breathe the first time, dude. When that comes on the radio the first time, and it's not even like it's just the song Push by Matchbox Twenty, and it just turns on. I'm just like I, I like I lost it. Dude. I was like, this is the funniest shit I've ever heard. So, so, all right, um, you know the Varsity in Baton Rouge? Yeah, thanks for the chimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my like, it's not my first concert. But the first time I was like interested in something that happened at the varsity was when Matchbox Twenty came, and I think I was ten, and my dad was like, "You can come to the sound check, we'll do the sound check, and you can watch Matchbox Twenty do the sound check," and uh, and it was one of the greatest. It was the greatest moment of my ten year old life, and uh, I saw them play. I saw them sing part of Push because it was sound check. They don't sing the whole fucking thing. Right. Like we're just playing some chords. Uh, but it was, it was great. That that song means a lot to me, and uh, I was so happy to see them tear everything down with that song. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was it's such a weird. It's not the most obvious choice, but it works so well. It's like the that. best four hours later title card I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the yeah the uh, the end of the film was uh, was really good too. The um, the sort of um, culmination of things, like how it. Like the 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 how it gets emotional at the end. Again, that's like something that like I don't know if that would necessarily work for me all every time, but the way it's put together with the it is manipulative, like the sort of footage of the children and stuff like that, uh, the like home yeah. video footage. But it but it yeah. definitely works. Um, and uh, I just the way that it wraps up with the um, that line at the end is really good too. How she you know in the office and everything. Yes. I don't want to say yeah. what it is. I mean obviously. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just like you think she's getting uh, dropped off out of that car. Like you, I, I'm gonna guess that no matter what you think is happening, you've decided what is happening. And my guess is that the thing you've decided is absolutely not what she's there for. Sure. Yeah, I definitely would not have guessed that and, in a million years. Uh, that was a great, great line. Great line. Yeah, it works. Works perfectly. Um, so yeah, I you know it's um, you know great. It's just another great entry from Gerwig, and I mean, you know what you know my, you know another problem I was thinking about it though, 
uh, we don't, we can stop talking about this now. But the, another, because I mean, we've been talking about Barbie for like twenty minutes now. But the, uh, the another the, the other issue I was thinking about it, uh, it's like I kept trying to stop my, I was having to stop myself and and like from giving Bombach all the credit because I was like thinking about it. And I was like, oh man, of course, of course the writing is great. Bombach oh co-wrote this. I really was thinking that like you piece like, of shit. I know. It's like that's so. That's so. That's such like a wrong, the wrong-headed way of looking at this, you know. But I was like, but it makes sense because that it is that it is as good as it is, and that it deals with sort of um, uh, uh, you, the the male and female perspective, as it were, among the Barbies and Kens, because you know, then they've got these two, uh, this male and female voice writing it. It makes a lot of sense. But yeah, uh, um, she's I, a great I, writer too. Like I'm not yeah. trying. You know, it's just like I just I don't know. She's she's. She's uh, three for three right now on her not, di- not for me, but I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't like Lady Bird, but uh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot. About I that. might rewatch it now, though. I mean, this one's so good, and and uh, I'll obviously Chalamet's become like a big deal since then. So, um, yeah, I I, uh, I currently like Little Women better than this movie. Mm. I think Little Women's brilliant, but yeah, yeah, Little Women was great, uh, and I mean. This could, you know, this is the kind of thing that where the the sort of novelty of how funny it is can wear off. You know, it's a, such a broad comedy as well as being, you know, a sort of satirical <laughs> piece that I mean, it could like not funny next time I watch it. You know, maybe, but like you've seen it twice. That's that's good news. I will say though that 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 moment with push did not work as well the second time. I mean, it's still funny, but it, I didn't die laughing obviously because I saw it coming. You know. I just love the idea of you like sitting next to your young daughter who's never heard that song, just like wondering why you think that's funny. Yeah, but she's just, you know, she's five. She's like looking, she just loves watching Margot Robbie in a pink dress walking around. Like that's her, that's her, her heaven for her. She yeah. doesn't, she cares nothing about what's actually happening in the movie. So, yeah, but like, <laughs> it's just, you know, one day she's going to be like, oh, now I know who Rob Thomas is. Actually, she probably, <laughs> she probably will never say that. No. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. But anyway. Um, all right, well, Kevin, you want to go next? Okay. Well, uh, since we're talking about movies of the year, I've definitely found mine. Oh. So, yeah, so back in, I guess it was 2020 or 2021, uh, the Venture Brothers was officially canceled. <laughs> and <laughs> so, Sorry, sorry. No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so the show was canceled, and they put together a movie to kind of wrap up uh, some of the the storylines that had been going on through the series. And, uh, you know, I knew knew that it was going to be great, and it did not disappoint. Like, the, the Venture Brothers is easily my favorite TV show, and this, like, this movie is... You know, it's basically an extended episode, but that's not a bad thing at all. Like, it's as intricate and, you know, does things for the fans and does things for storytelling and is just as batshit crazy as the rest of the show. And the way they were able to put all this together and have all these wacky references and just it's just fucking great i mean do you have to easy um, does, six, easy six out of five does it reference the show a ton or like would you need to watch uh, the show to enjoy the film? i a friend told me that 
and I've, I told him I've seen the first four seasons, my friend told me that if I am not up to date and a super fan, that I need not apply. Like, oh, I should wow. go more in here. <laughs> I, I don't know if I would go that far. I mean, you know, you guys are smart. You can pick up on things and, you know... We'll give you that idea. Well, I mean... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> We're I teachers. Mean, we ought to be smart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's definitely a more fulfilling experience if you watch the show. I mean, uh, my brother had, like, gone through the entire show again, like, before we watched it. So he picked up on things a little bit faster than I did. But I, I you know, I've seen the whole whole series twice through. So I, you know, it didn't take me long to catch up to what was going on. And, you know, like there are things that happened in the last season that are like pretty quickly wrapped up and then it quickly moves on to something new that is just within, you know, the scope of this movie. So, but yeah, I, I, you know, I can't say enough good thing about the Venture Brothers so being able to see this was a real treat. I hope it's not 100% dead. Maybe it'll be brought yes. back by like HBO Max or you know somebody. Um, what well, Max? No. But this was a uh, this was a movie that like people were worried when um, when HBO Max was transitioning to Max and like with all this Zaslav stuff, people were like, mm-hmm. "Is Zaslav going to kill this movie?" Uh, people wondered the same thing about the Metalocalypse movie that was released uh, yesterday, just because like mm-hmm. they're like, what kind of like profitability does this thing have? It's like made for a few thousand like hardcore fans, seemingly with with no larger audience in mind, and uh, they were like, is this just going to get destroyed? And uh, it didn't. He's releasing both of them, so that's good. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, we watched it on Blu-ray because it's not coming to Max for yeah, how, however long. It was it was already worth it for yeah. us to get the Blu-ray. So. Well, it, it, and that's one thing Zaslav did was like we're going to have an extended premium video on demand window and not just put them on on Max. Mm. Uh, so. You know, good for him, bad for us, kind of deal. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, absolutely, just absolutely wonderful. Like, okay, you know, I, I can't, it. I can't wait to watch it again. Oh wow! All right, great. Yeah. That's great. That's good. Uh, okay, um, I guess I will go next since that was Barbie. Your movie or my movie, Jr. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't matter. Just go next, and I'll go after you. Okay. Um, I guess I should talk about God as a Bullet, uh, which is the new Nick Cassavetes movie, (laughs) if you can believe it. Uh, This is uh, Nick Cassavetes' uh, just roaring return into his ultra-violent sort of... uh, I don't know. Did did he make some like ultra violent stuff early on, and then he made the Notebook, right? <laughs> like <laughs> he made like he made like Alpha Dog after the Notebook, right? I thought he made that before. Actually, it was 04, right? Alpha Dog. I don't I know. The, he, I thought the Notebook was 04. Oh, um, you might be right. I don't know. Yeah, it is 04. Alpha Dog is 06. You're right. You're right, dude. I've seen three of this guy's movies now, um, and this is 
not the worst one. She's so lovely as worst. <laughs> but uh, God is a Bullet is a movie about um, Nikolaj Koster Waldo, uh, the guy from Game of Thrones, one of the guys from Game of Thrones, who is uh, his wife is raped and murdered, uh, and his child is abducted uh, by a satanic cult. And it's a very sort of... Uh, <laughs> JR loves this. It's a very sort of, um, you know, a satanic panic, right-wing fantasy sort of movie um, about him going on a revenge trip with Micah Monroe. Uh, who like used from to be, It Follows? Oh, yeah. Who used to be one of uh, the cult members. Leader of the cult played by Carl Glusman. So you can see now why I'm watching this, JR, right? Okay. <laughs> Glusman <laughs> and Monroe, bud. No, and... Uh, I mean, it wasn't Cassavetes that drew me in, believe me. Um, and Jamie Foxx uh, is in this briefly, and he executive produced it. I've got uh, a Fox movie. Okay, great. Uh, this is a bad Fox movie. <laughs> where Jamie Foxx plays a tattoo artist with, like, vitiligo, the uh, disease where he has, like, the white, you know, white patches on his body for no reason. That means nothing. Um probably just trying to like match his character from the book or something i don't know and uh yeah it's just like this really long it's two and a half hours of this him like this meandering road trip with well coster waldo and monroe just like in a truck being angry at each other because he's like a family man man of god kind of thing and she's obviously the ex-satanist uh hophead hippie weirdo girl um, who's tatted up, and she makes him get tattoos all over and on his face because he has to be all undercover with the uh, <laughs> with the satanic cult. But then he wears clothes the entire time to cover his tattoos, so it's totally pointless. Makes and, sense. Um, okay. Yeah, and uh, this movie is absolute trash. I was seriously going like half star, maybe zero stars, until the last, say, 20 minutes, the penultimate action sequence of the film if you will the movie is very violent it has a lot of action and a lot of him blowing people's heads off with shotguns things like this but the penultimate sequence is the only time where it actually gets interesting and there's like a fight uh, a gunfight between him and Micah Monroe and the the satanic cult and uh, it's uh, it's not bad I mean it's not great but it's certainly like worth that scene is worth your time I would encourage you to YouTube it it's uh it's a lot of fun. Um, if only they could have just, you know... I kept, honestly, while I was watching this movie, I had a I had a weird urge. I was like, I want to download this movie and cut it up and make it like an 80-minute <laughs> movie because it would be so good, I think, at 80 minutes. Maybe with different performances, too, which I don't know how you'd accomplish that. Coster Waldo is, like, not good in this. He's, like, way too serious. I think the movie is just overly serious, too. Like, Cassavetes thinks it's more important than it is. Like, it's obviously a B like revenge thriller and he's trying to make it like a Oscar bait sort of thing at times. It's sort of embarrassing. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah. And there's like all these, like these super crazy, like D storylines, C storylines with January Jones. What? She's awful, obviously. And, um, there's like all this like intrigue in, in the town where Waldo is from, uh, and it's like happening while he's across the country dealing with the satanic cult and they're just like well, who cares about this shit you know but anyways it's uh yeah it's not good watch those 15 or 20 minutes on YouTube at your leisure 
uh, I definitely recommend that. And uh, Ethan Suppley is in this uh, as mm. his jacked self. You know how he's all jacked now? Yeah. He sure, lost yeah. a weight and he's like fucking jacked. He's in this. He's got like one line and he's just standing in the background a lot. He's one of the satanic cult members. But he's obviously. jacked. But he's jacked, man. He looks fucking huge. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's God as a bullet. Ooh. JR? Yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> I took detailed notes on exactly one movie in one month. Um, and, of course, it's like the movie that is going to have the uh, the least uh, or the, the, the narrowest appeal. Um, yeah. Watch a movie called The Starling Girl from this year, directed by uh, Laurel Parmet, a filmmaker I'm not familiar with. Um, this is a, we'll call it like a small town, like rural uh, religious drama type deal uh, with Eliza Scanlon. It was a, a young actress. She was in uh, Little Women mm-hmm. and uh, the Amy Adams show, Sharp Objects. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Scanlon is a uh, a seventeen year old, uh, you know, girl, and an isolated uh, rural, like southern fundamentalist Christian community, um, and she's you know like a hyper hyper dogmatic Christian, and uh, then Bill Pullman's son Lewis mm-hmm. Pullman shows up. Mm. Uh, he is the married but much older. You know, like almost thirty, youth pastor, and his father is the main pastor. Uh, they, he returns from a mission trip, and uh, of course, Eliza and uh, and Lewis they start uh, they just can't control themselves. They start hooking up. They start uh, capital F fucking Ooh. in this uh, Christian community, right? Um, Nothing wrong with that. Just kidding. And of course, you know, doomed, uh, doomed affair between a minor and a pastor uh, disrupts the community. Uh, and it, you know, it's like standard. Uh, it's pretty, it felt like a pretty standard setup, um, but it's elevated by Scanlon, who I thought was incredible. And there's just so much like specificity to this community and um, how everyone deals with their issues and. Um, like I loved that um, Scanlon, like her, like she has been promised by her family to the younger son of the the main pastor, who is just like this, just really just dull idiot, and but like it's like an arranged marriage type deal, and so like when her parents find out that she's having this affair, like their main concern is like you've already been promised to someone else, like not that you're like fucking a thirty year old and you're seventeen. Not that he's married, but like you've been promised, it, it's um, it's it's wild, and um, there's like we see like the ritual for forgiveness in this community is like they like bring people at, like Sunday service, uh, they bring people on the stage like for shame, like they bring this teenager, this teenage boy up who has to like announce to the community that he was caught. Uh, looking at internet porn and he has to uh, ask forgiveness from all the people he has hurt which is obviously nobody Um, and like people from the community have to like come up and like tell him like I forgive you Uh, and um, you know 
It's like, I'll let you guys guess which one of our main characters has to go up there and do that, and which one uh, mm. absolutely doesn't. Mm-hmm. But um, it's uh, mm-hmm. it, it's great stuff. Um, Louis Pullman, pretty good, pretty good actor, by the way. He looks looks like his fucking dad. He dude, really man. truly does. Um, we also get a another bit like a Scanlon's father, Jimmy Simpson from uh, I recognize him from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, we get him relapsing into alcohol addiction while this is going on. He's like a saved, you know, saved former musician um, who learns about the death of one of his old bandmates and like very quickly backslides um, relapses and um, we learn this has happened before and um, it's like one of the only times where the film is like making its intentions like way too clear like you know the foothold that this religion has on people is like not as concrete as these people make make it out to be but um it's blunt, but uh, Simpsons so really good. And again, this is just uh, this is a great performance, great little uh, details, minutia, and uh, it's a really they have a really good ending. So, I recommend this. This came out this year. You guys should watch it. Where you guys watch should it? watch it. Uh, I rented the Blu-ray from my library. Oh yikes! <laughs> I'm done with physical media, bro. Okay. Well, you I'm know when it's it. not when it's not streaming, I rent the Blu-ray. I'm sure it is streaming somewhere. You don't know. It's probably streaming on your Plex. No, it's not streaming on mm. Plex. I'd already have it in my watch list if it was. This is definitely like online on my websites. I bet it is. It's what? Sagan? It's on my websites to download. Oh, really? So I bet it's on your Plex. Oh, it's not on my Plex. I'm literally looking right now. It's not on there. Right, but, well. um, I mean, they just added, um, what's your, that fucking movie you love. Past lives, they just added that. So yeah, I'm the only one. I'm the only person that loved well, that I'm movie. Well, I'm just the thing. I'm trying to remember the name of it, Jr. Anyway, Kevin. Okay, so oh, hang on a second. Jr. So defensive, so defensive. I really like past lives. I'm I'm excited to watch it, dude. I really am. I mean, I'm like jazzed to watch it. I almost watched it for this episode, but I was like, that was just be too much. I'll have to talk about that in addition to feast. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, I'm, I don't don't take offense to this. I'm gonna use the restroom. Right Is it really fucking loud? Oh no 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 okay. no! Just, <laughs> I gotta use the bathroom. I'll be back. Okay, okay. all right, here. Um. Anyway, uh, so I took the boys to see the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Hell yeah! Yes, and so this was, I think. Yeah, it was, like, co-written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg and um, some other people. And uh, they were also the executive producers, so they were basically in charge of the movie. So you can tell by a lot of of the things that happen in the movie that they were were responsible for some of the wackiness. Um, Cool. Yeah, but uh, we enjoyed it. Like the the story is really good. Like um, like he's Rogan's said in interviews that like uh, this was like the first time that the teenage mutant ninja turtles were played by teenagers. Um, <laughs> and and uh, I I also read that like they made a concerted effort to have 
cast members all be there to have like a more um, natural interaction. So that was cool. Um, like it's it's very you know like it's definitely of its time. Uh, so the the teenagers of now will more relate to um, the turtles than you know I necessarily would, but I don't think that's a problem. Um, no, no. And, um, yeah, like, the animation is really good. There's a lot of, like, um, there's a lot of, um, people that are in it. Like, it's got, like, this long list of, like, um, comedic, uh, presences. Like, um, and, like, you've got, like, Ice Cube is, uh, plays the main villain, Superfly. And, uh, it's got, like all the mutants you can shake a stick at and yeah it's just a it's a fun cool time and um unfortunately we left before we actually were able to see this but apparently there's like a mid credit sequence where like they mention uh the shredder which um I think it would be cool to have um to have a sequel to this and have the shredder in it so yeah, and uh, yeah, this was a four and a half for me. So nice, dude. Yeah, I've seen it, but the uh, the animation looked really unique. For sure. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I will definitely I will be watching this at some point soon. I hope. Cool. I don't know. Yeah, I guess like it's hard to convince like children. I'm guessing to like let's sit through the scrolling names for a while. I promise there's going to be something there. Yeah. I know you have to pee and you're like ready <laughs> to go, but just sit. Well, in this particular instance, it was me who like I needed to get to the bathroom. Okay. Like, it's like this would if I didn't it was going to be a problem. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but yeah. And but yeah, I mean, you know, like with with the internet, you know, you'll you'll know and, you know, um mm-hmm. uh, no, like I'm, I'm the person when I have to pee, so like I, I've trained myself. I'm gonna sit there. I'm gonna sit till it till it's, till it's fucking over. All the names are gone, mm. so I see all the things. Um, but like when I saw Mission Impossible, I was like, actually, I've been here so long, I can't wait any longer. Uh, internet, tell me, do I have anything to wait for? And the yeah. internet said no. So I was like, okay, Good. yeah, and I'm gonna pee my brains out. Yeah, exactly. Cause like I mean, you know. And it's it's weird too that like the the people best known for these things are the Marvel movies, yeah. where you literally have to sit through like another fifteen minutes. No, it's well, rolling names yeah. to find and out like, oh, most Marvel movies now give you the mid credit one and then the end credit one, because mm. they hate you. Yeah, um, I mean, shoot, like I think Shang Chi was the last one that I saw and I don't remember watching the credits for it um uh the mid credit one for that involved him talking to Bruce Banner ah. like through like a, a tele like a communicator 
something. I don't remember what the end credit one was for that. Mm. Uh, I think that was actually, I think Shang-Chi was actually the last one that I saw in theaters as well. Well, uh, I, I, I liked see, it. I liked it. I didn't see it in theaters, but I, I saw it later on, like, um, uh, either Disney or maybe it was, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it was Blu-ray. Anyway. Right. Um, the, yeah. Uh, so before John gets back, should we uh, should we talk to Mona real quick? I didn't finish watching it. So. Oops! Whatever. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Jr. It's cool. Sorry. Work out for you, bud. Guess we'll never talk about this movie. It's fine. <laughs> I don't. It's possible that I'll watch it at some point. That's cool. um, like I. I was actually sorry. Seriously, I'm. This will be my turn. Um, I like I was like typing out notes for Nimona Day, and I was yeah. like, I had to stop myself. And I was like, actually, I don't care. This movie isn't good enough. And uh, <laughs> it's like this movie is just uh, it was like it's fine. And like the Ninja Turtles, though, like mm. watching it, I felt like the animation felt unique and different. Uh, but also like it's in service of a very like superficially cool and very thinly drawn world. Um, mm. So like I don't think it has much to recommend. The movie doesn't have much to recommend it besides like it feels very inclusive, um, and that's really cool. Uh, but I also know that that was much more powerful in the graphic novel. So uh, read the graphic novel. Yeah, definitely. Right. Your turn, John. I'll, pro- I'll probably skip both. Um, the uh, <laughs> I re- I rewatched the Thin Red Line, uh, directed by Terrence Malick, of course. Should I um, should I take a break? You want, Am I going to be upset? No, I'm going to gush about it. Um, <laughs> the Thin Red Line is a masterpiece. I don't. I can't remember why I watched this exactly. Uh, I think that I was just like jonesing for like Pacific Theater World War II combat, and I was just like, I got to watch like you know <laughs> the Pacific World War II movie. You're so you're so fucking forty, man. <laughs> and uh, I'm not quite forty. And. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's so much you know. Obviously, it's so much more than that. Um, I love almost everything about it. I think the my big my only like gripe about this movie, and it's the same as it was the last time I watched it. It's just that it bothered me a little bit less this time, which is why I climbed up to a full five. <laughs> is uh, Sean Penn's performance? I'm not a big, not a huge fan of Sean Penn's performance in this. Cheers! <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. He's just got some lines that he, or maybe like, he doesn't deliver them the perfect way, or maybe they just shouldn't be in there at all. Um, but mm. he's he's my only problem. I think Caviezel's great in this. I think all the other performances, in particular Elias Cotias and um, Nick Nolte, are like the standout. Just unbelievable. Mm. Uh, I mean. <laughs> Nick Nolte is so just haggard and like angry in this movie, and it's just fucking great, dude. And his narration is so good; like he's got like voiceover. It's only right when you first are, uh, are introduced to his character. He's on a ship, and like his his commanding officer is John Travolta, and he's mm. just following him following him around the ship like a puppy dog. And um, you hear like his his thoughts, you know, his inner monologue, and. He has this line where he says, the, the closer you get to Caesar, the greater the fear. What a great line. <laughs> like, just a beautiful line. I mean, i got to read this book, you know. Um, mm. But uh, have you read this book, Kevin? No. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But 
Yeah, yeah I uh, I don't know. I'm very I'm very like interested in it. And uh, there's also a, um, a a movie that was made in the 50s of the book. Oh, also called The Thin Red Line, and I have it on my hard drive. I think uh, I downloaded it a while ago, but I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> yeah, man, this movie's just great. I mean, it's beautiful to look at. It's the score is absolutely fucking incredible. Um, by uh, by Zimmer, of course, and uh, yeah, all the acting is really good, with the exception of Penn, who's just okay. Mm. And uh, <laughs> some people you wish were in it more, like Woody Harrelson's in this, but mm. he doesn't last very long. And uh, Adrian Brody, famously, sort of edited out of this movie. And, mm. uh, but it's just a great, I don't know, really works well. And uh, one of my favorite war films and my favorite Malick films. Anyway. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's funny. Um, the last time I watched this, it must have been, I don't know, either 2017 or 2018. But um, it was when we were... It was an episode where you weren't there. And it was just um, J.R., Jonathan, and myself and I, <laughs> I mean, you'll you'll probably do the same, but um, I gave it like uh, three and a half, <laughs> and the two of them were just absolutely not having it. <laughs> and they, like they were just like, no man, you gotta like stop, like you got a Stockholm syndrome yourself. <laughs> just watch it over and over and over until it becomes a five. <laughs> I think uh, I think I'd listen to that episode if I wasn't on, and I know I think it might have been the same time I had rewatched it. Also, I just didn't wasn't on the show to talk about it. But um, right, yeah, because my last time watching it was 2016. Was it possible it was 2016, or did we not start recording the podcast until later than that? Huh, 2017. Yeah, the podcast no. didn't start until 2017. Because uh, really? like, then, okay, like I I remember like I. I think, yeah, the first time that I met you was, like, you and Jordan were just, like, you had just come to the library and y'all were about to record the Badlands episode. Oh, right, yeah. That was early. Yeah, yeah, so, and then it's, like, way, way later on where the, uh, uh, did we do episodes of Jordan's thing and then decided we were going to do film yak I just remember just doing uh, I just remember doing like persona with Jordan just me and him I remember doing uh yeah uh, Badlands me and him mm. and then uh and I feel like we just jumped right in and started doing we I mean maybe we didn't call it film yak at first but we started mm. you know recording as a group and right the, yeah the comedy and everything so I think when we did the comedy, though, we had decided it was like a show. I don't know if we had actually named it, though. Like, we were going to decide like, it was going to be you know, like a new thing. But anyways, yeah, I, I don't know. The Thin Red Lion's a masterpiece. I don't think, you know, I, I think, um, you know, even if, uh, you know, at least you like it. If it, if you give it like a yeah. two or something, then I think we'd have like, you know, yeah. I'd be confused because yeah. like it's definitely, at the very least, it's, it's extremely watchable and uh, maybe Malik's most accessible outside of Badlands. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. I I remember thinking I remember thinking it was good. Um, so yeah, like it wasn't it wasn't in the you know kind of group that I was just you know pooping on because I was you know unhappy with my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Um, 
Sorry, is it Kevin's turn next? Yeah, Kevin? Well, I just went. I talked about uh, the Ninja Turtles movie. Then JR went, and then I went, and then it's your turn again. JR talked about Nimona. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, well, um, so speak, speaking of movies that I'm reassessing because I'm in a better place in life... <laughs> I watched uh, Punk Punch Drunk Love again, and yeah, like I like I texted you guys like PTA rules, and yeah. I'm I'm you know bummed that I wasn't able to like um you know really get it back then. Never too um, late. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, just like the just the like effortless like visceral performances from Philip Seymour Hoffman and from Adam Sandler. It's just mm -hmm. insane how good they are. And like, like I, I, you know, like I see like the way the movie moves, I see like so much more like, it's like if Hitchcock would do, you know, like a sort of like dark comedy romance. Um, and yeah, just rules. Just a good movie, man. It's old. Yeah, and Luis Luis Guzman, unsung hero. Man, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's it is like him and him and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman are like the, the like tiny parts of that movie, but they're mm. you know they're just so good. They're so yeah. fucking good. Yeah. Emily Watson's great too. Everything. Everybody's great in that movie. Yeah, all the evil sisters, you know. Yeah, so that that intro, that opening scene where the the music is playing nonstop and he's sort of running around from place to place, having to talk to everybody, and then his sister shows up, and you can just see it's like like the tension is just mounting and mounting and mounting in his life. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, man. I don't know. There's something about that one. That's a good. That's just a mm. very. It's extremely unique among his filmography too. Anyway, uh, okay, uh, Jr. Um, I'm frozen. I don't like that. Oh boy. Mm. Oh boy. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah we, we can hear, hear you. you. Okay. All right. Well, all right. Um, last thing I had to talk about was uh, they clone Tyrone. Oh my. Um, no. No, you can't. I wasn't going to talk about this one, but I can. I can join in. Oh, I mean, I don't have much to say besides uh, I enjoyed it. It's like a science fiction social satire from a black perspective and um, mm -hmm. the world could probably use more of that and uh, we could definitely use more of it when it's like this funny and entertaining and um, the actual like uh, cloning the cloning of specific criminals in like this uh, crummy neighborhood uh, doesn't make any sense whatsoever uh, but that doesn't matter and um, I was like watching it I was like man like the filmmakers like missed an opportunity to make like a very serious like social statement uh but then i was like i'm judging and knocking the movie for uh like failing to be something that it isn't aspiring to be at all so uh it's just like Fair. a solid entertaining uh science fiction deal on netflix and uh it's just really easy to get through um i feel similarly I thought it was good, uh, not great. Definitely like a descendant of like Jordan Peele and his what he started with Get Out. Um, yes, but like again, 
not nearly as ambitious, I would say. No, that's totally true. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why it's not as good as something like yeah. that. Um, uh, but it looks fairly nice. I don't like the cigarette burns that they added into it. I don't understand them even, but um, like in the context of like what this movie is, it makes no sense. But it, it, It's almost like it only makes sense if you if we decide that like the movies from the point of view of Jamie Foxx and like the movie takes place in the seventies. Yeah. Like where Jamie Foxx thinks he is. But again, the movie does not take place in the seventies. It's just like how Jamie Foxx's character is styled. And I had uh, one other note. Why isn't Tiona Paris a household name? She's very good in this. I like her a lot. Well, maybe the Marvels will change that. Who knows? Oh, is she in that? Yeah, she's a photon. She was in, uh, yeah, she's in Marvel stuff and will be in the Marvels. I hope that's not the thing that makes her also. But if it, if it must be, if it must be, it must, you know. Um, but yeah, okay. Uh, well, Jesus, I was going to, I have, I have notes for, 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 for full circle. Do you not want to talk about full circle? Uh, you can, I can talk about it with you. I just, uh, I didn't know we were doing television, even though that's all I watch now. It's. I mean, I have multiple TV shows that I'm literally going to talk about right now. Do you want to? You want to hear me talk about Foundation or Schmigadoon? If you want to, dude. Full Circle is a is a, a mini series, so it's I it's uh, it's like in between TV and movies for me. I feel like it's just like a long movie, um, but uh, it's an episodic film uh, by Soderbergh on Max, and uh, it stars uh, Claire Danes and Timothy Oliphant, who are both quite good in it, but it really stars Zazie Beetz, who is exceptionally good in it, I think, and the most interesting character. And just a really unique sort of... Uh, a uniquely portrayed character in an otherwise sort of... I mean, I don't want to say... This This is not like a stale sort of uh, idea, obviously. It's like it's an interesting idea for a, for a, a story like this kidnapping is botched kidnapping by this Haitian gang. It's like a weird uh, um, and gang. gang, whatever. Um, south of the border, tropics, whatever. I don't know. Where, where is Guyana? I don't even know where that south is. South America. South America, yeah. Like south American Brazil, gang. West of, or east of Venezuela. There you go. And, uh, you know, it is, but it's told like, uh, it's told with like a, a weird sort of mix of, um, I would say it's like stylized at points, but it's also like extremely real at other points. You know, is that fair? I don't know. The, the like the way that some of these characters in the, in the gang are portrayed is just like really. It just feels so strange that it's like real to me. It just what? comes across like very very genuine. It's almost like Authentic. relying on like tropes of film noir, but then like stripping things away. Like mm-hmm. so the, the, the the noir stuff is not as stylized, uh, but like the jobs that these like criminals have are like very much like, like what? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, and I thought that was like a totally just like fascinating part of the show. It's like, uh, if film noir was much more realistic and, and I, I, I feel like the Zazie beats is like, she's playing a film noir detective, but she's this like hyper, like bipolar version of one like who's very modern and also uh is a post office investigator which i thought was hilarious and like, she's i like i just found it interesting that she was like unlikable like you she she's not a likable character she's at the all. worst and but she's also like 
sort of the hero of the story, well, like, so it's weird. At, at every point, you're kind of like, if anyone dies, I hope it's her. <laughs> <laughs> and then when someone dies, you're you're uh, you're sorry it wasn't. Um, yeah, I, was, I actually have that as a note. Why the postal inspectors? Because I, I still don't understand exactly. Uh, no, that that never really became clear. Like I understand that like um, they're investigating that gang initially because of. Uh, I'm guessing because it's like mail fraud, the way that they are um, oh, getting people to, uh, the way that they're getting people into the country, I'm guessing it's something to do with mail fraud, but I'm not clear on that. I'm confused. I'm totally confused. I don't really think it, I mean, obviously it doesn't really matter like all that much in the end, but um, yeah, I also liked uh, just seeing like, like William Sadler's in this, weirdly, and uh, Alex Winter comes in as a lawyer at one point, which I thought was like an interesting, just interesting casting choices. Oh my God, um, J- uh, Jimmy Gaff, Jimmy Gaff's getting like a huge yeah, role. Jim Gaffigan. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really strange, but works super well. I mean, he's a sort of like a, I mean, he's trying to be a character actor now, essentially, right? Yeah, so yeah. It makes sense, but his I, makes I'm more in. sense than I'm seeing in. like, seeing Alex Winter in that as the lawyer was strange because I haven't seen him in a while. I mean, I didn't see the Bill and Ted movie, but obviously like that's not the same thing. And, uh, he really works in it. I don't know. Like he's unrecognizable, quite frankly. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was, uh, I didn't, I didn't love it, but I thought it was pretty good and definitely super watchable. And, uh, I did think that Zazie Beats. I had a while where I thought Zazie Beats was, uh, Zoe Kravitz. Sorry. <laughs> Just because she was in his movie last year, you know, I was like, oh, that must be the same yeah. woman, but I totally. I mean, up. this, um, yeah, I also did not love it, but I, I was fascinated through and through. And, uh, you know, the way that the kidnapping plays out was, like, so fascinating. And the way that they keep that family roped into the scenario was was really cool. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, yeah. A lot of it was, like, this is, like, the way it plays out in is just, like, it's really smart and impressed me more so than, like, was, like, amazing, I guess. Um, Fair. But it, it reinvigorated uh, my my Soder love, and uh, so th- that is why I finally watched Magic Mike uh, 3 this week and did not love it. But um, I'm also gonna, I'm going to watch that, like, Command, Command Z, Command Post Z, that, sh- that show we released online. Oh, I don't know about that. No? No. I think it's called Command Z, and it's, uh, it's about an AI... And it has Michael Sarah and some other people. Oh, I did hear about that. Never mind. And it's like fifteen minute episodes. It's uh, I, I think I was right. less interested in that because of the Michael Sarah of it all. <laughs> Not a fan of his. But like but the whole series is ninety minutes, so uh, he's my least favorite thing about Barbie movie. So I think that's reasonable, just because the like Alan is. She's like, what is Alan? I don't yeah. really understand. It's nothing. It's it's like a it's like a wink at some doll that might have existed at some point. Yeah, and I don't don't care. Um, I mean, I get his position in the, like his position in the narrative of the film makes sense. I just don't I don't really like I just don't like him as an actor. I don't find him funny. But anyway, um, yeah. Uh, 
Whose turn? I don't even know whose turn it is. Kevin? Is it Kevin's turn? I don't, I don't know what's going on. I'll go. Sorry, go um, ahead. Sure. So I rewatched the BFG, the original oh. animated one from the oh. 80s, because I remember watching it a lot as a kid and, you know, figured, yeah, this will be worth worth a rewatch. It's on Canopy. So, and I was su- pleasantly surprised how well the animation holds up, and I was even more surprised by how much I like the score. Like, it's, um, it was done by one of, one of the dudes from, uh, Herman's Hermits, the British pop band. Oh. But it's, but it's like, you know, there's like some orchestral stuff, but most of it is like very 80s fantasy mystical synths. And I thought they worked really well. Like, they do a lot to add to the story without distracting from it. Um, it's very, it's very complimentary. Um, the story itself is, you know, not super great, um, and uh, it kind of, you know, le- leaves a, leaves a lot of like, like major plot holes. But um, yeah, I really dug the movie. Better and than Spielberg's? I haven't seen it. Oh. Don't really, don't really it have, ha- any, it has don't to really be. have any interest. I hated it. Uh. I mean, how, how could it? How could it not be? Like, you know, this is this is Cosgrove Hall we're talking about. This is the studio that got us Count Ducula and, and Danger Mouse. Like, of course, it's better than Spielberg's BFG. Uh, yeah, I guess <laughs> Count Ducula. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Jr. I'm done as fuck, dude. Okay, I got. I just want to power through too. I uh, I watched. I rewatched uh, Project Greenlight season three, which is the one where they make a horror film with Wes Craven, which is insane because uh, you know we just watched this Wes Craven movie, um, and uh, it's a great season of the show. It's very entertaining. Um, you get the, you get that classic angry Matt Damon. He's just belligerent about everything. He wants to make art. You know, he's very fucking high minded, <laughs> and. Um, He's smoking cigarettes all the time. He's young still, you know. Anyway, and, uh, yeah, this is is a great season of the show. If you have, uh, it's on YouTube, so, like, just power through it, dude. It's like a six-hour video on YouTube. It's really great. And um, I just wanted to make one comment about this at one point where they're, these, like, these filmmakers, the studios who are in charge of Project Greenline are in charge of making the movie, they're so delusional about what they're doing. They're making a movie with a $2 million budget, $2.5 million budget, and they're literally sending out, like, offers to... At one point, they think they have Mark Wahlberg, and he's going to be in their movie. Like, they're seriously thinking this. Like, we're waiting to hear back from Mark Wahlberg's people. He might be in Feast. (laughs) Like, this goofy, like, sea horror movie, you know? Feast is um, a Project Greenlight movie? Yeah, dude. (laughs) And uh, have you seen it, Jer? No, but okay. I'm a, I'm aware of feasts. Yeah, okay. feast man. Shit. Um, John Gulliger is the director. Who's uh, Clue Gulliger's son, who's like a character actor from other B horror stuff and other stuff too in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And um, he's also in Feast. And uh, yeah, I just found I just find this is what's so great about the show is just how delusional everyone who's working on the movie is about what they're making. Like when you watch. The most recent season, 
they're just talking about this movie like it's so important and oh my god it's like this could be such a good movie and they watch it and they're like oh this is fucking amazing you know and it's like and it's just you know it's going to be garbage you know and then i was like i have to actually test this theory because i've never seen any of these movies that project Greenlight's made i almost watched the one from this recent season but i really don't think i'm going to but i finally was like I, you know out of all of them i'd want to watch peace the most probably so I, I i put it on it's awful like it's really bad <laughs> uh it was like nothing going for it at all it's just like generic vod horror um you know, and they're like the whole the whole project Greenlight. They're talking about how great the shots are and how good John Gulliver is as a director, and it's just not there. It's embarrassing. It's really bad. So don't watch Feast. And then I also uh, watched um, the new the newest uh, show on the Taylor Sheridan channel, otherwise known as Paramount Plus, uh, where every show is made by Taylor Sheridan. Lioness. It's called yeah. It's called Special Ops Lioness, and. Uh, Un- and uh, it's it's um, extremely good. <laughs> I hate to admit it, even because honestly, like every other show that he's done is like not good to really bad, but this one works really well. It's extremely well written, and uh, no, man. yeah, yeah, this guy is in the pocket of the military industrial complex. Like, of course. <laughs> mm. <laughs> of course, no, you. I'm talking about you. Oh, I am in the pocket. He's yeah, in the pocket. Like, he, the, the, this is his first show that's dealing with those those kinds of things, which is what makes it interesting. Like when he's writing about cowboys on the on the frontier, it's like I mean, I tried to watch uh, 1883, and it's just like it stars country singers as actors. I can't take it seriously. And Yellowstone was really like I only watched half of the first episode. It was really bad. I couldn't get into it. But this show is uh, doing things differently, I would say, and. Um, it's just very, very well done, very well acted, very well scripted. If you can get past the first, say, five minutes, which are a little bit cringy because you've got, like, Zoe Zaldana, like, as a military commander screaming at people, which I'm like, I can't, I could, it didn't read as correct because she's, you know, she's like 110 pounds and <laughs> she's, like, running <laughs> around with this massive guns bigger than her. But, uh, once once she sort of gets back to the states and starts doing what she actually does in the show, it's it's pretty solid. And Nicole Kidman is quite good in it, and uh, she's in it a lot more than I thought she was going to be. And there's this other actress in it also named, wait for it, Laisla De Oliveira. Sorry about that. That's right. She, she's from Toronto. Laisla is her. I remember reading that her name is Laisla. Or Lysla, maybe? It might be Lysla. Anyway, it's L-A-Y-S-L-A. But she's really good. She's sort of like the de facto star of the show. Um, and I, th- I just think she's really good in it. And her character's really interesting. And, uh, yeah, just there's a lot of like procedural shit. They don't explain a lot of stuff, which I like. And uh, there's a lot of like, just terminology being bandied about that uh, they don't go out of their way to clarify, which I'm... I don't know. I like that. It, it's immersive. It makes me feel like these are real, you know, this is like a real situation with real military people. So, uh, yeah. I, overall, I'm like, I'm at like a four right now for this thing. I'm, I think it's two episodes left in the season. I'm jazzed to watch them. Cool. I think, well, I think one of them is coming on t- tomorrow. So, <laughs> give me something to do tomorrow night. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's uh, Special Ops Lioness, which is also, I should say, on the 
show itself is just called Lioness on the title card. It doesn't have the special ops thing, which is, mm. you know, it's like an Irishman situation. So, you remember how Irishman has I Heard You Paint Houses as its title card? Yeah. Yeah, it's like that. Anyways, Kevin, you want to talk about Cairo Station? Sure. Uh, this is our Letterboxd Roulette movie that we had to watch uh, for Losing Letterboxd Roulette. By, it's directed by Yusuf Shaheen from 1958. Uh, it stars Farid Shakwi. I don't know, a lot, of, a lot of actors. I don't know that it's necessary to name them all, but um, they're Egyptian actors, I suppose. Or mm. uh, Right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, this movie is about... Uh, Kinawi, whose name is spelled Q on the synopsis, but I was happy mm. on the subtitles that I watched. Mm. Uh, Kinawi, a physically challenged peddler who makes his living selling newspapers, who is essentially an incel who's super horny and wants to fuck this girl who sells soda at Cairo Station, and uh, she doesn't. She's sort of like teasing him and mm. keeping him on the line uh, in his mind, anyway while she's dating or is engaged to an abusive pro-union <laughs> factory worker or something. I don't know. What does that guy do? Do you know what that guy does? He's like a, I don't know, like baggage handler or something yeah. at this train at the, at the Cairo station. That sounds right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so he's trying to get all the, all the other baggage handlers together to be like, we deserve better pay and all that kind of stuff. I would say that, um, this movie was not working for me at all until <laughs> the relationship between Kanawi and essentially until Kanawi got had the epiphany about killing what's her mm. face Hanuma. I yeah. was like, at that point, I was like, okay, that's like weird. I don't, I didn't see it going that direction. And then he starts actually like planning this this murder, and then it becomes more like a thriller almost, you know. And I was like, this is like interesting. Actually, it's pretty good, you know, like. The first, like, hour, or for maybe 40 minutes or so, just were, like, sort of... I mean, it's a very short movie. The first 40 minutes were, like... I, it was just sort of, like, a tapestry of, like, all the different goings-on at the station. I was like, I don't care about this at all. This is fucking boring, you know? But then when they, like, hone in on these three central characters, it becomes way more interesting. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I, I also thought it was... It's interesting, like, these synopses you know, that you read, it's like, it says that, uh, Kinawi is like physically challenged, but I mm-hmm. got the impression that he was mentally challenged. Um, I could see that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and, and it's also like very, you know, like very clear that like, you know, he is, he is an incel and he's, you know, just trying to, you know, get with this woman who's like, you know, very obviously like above his station in life. Sure. You know, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, and it was interesting to see that kind of thing being played out, like, you know, in Egypt in the mid-50s, and, you know, seeing, like, <laughs> you know, seeing something that's so relatable to our current situation in sure. the world, like, you know, there's there's plenty of Kinawis out there and oh, yeah. you know d- you know a lot of them succeed where Kinawi fails unfortunately um it's also yeah, like uh, uh I felt I was I was like turned off at one point cuz um 
I mean, it's just it's such a weird thing to like watch these movies that are foreign and very very old, and then see things like uh, what's his Abu Siri, who is the porter, uh, the guy who does the luggage, the fiance of Hanuma, mm-hmm. um, who like beats the shit out of her after she, you know, disobeys him, but. Mm. Abu Siri is like the good guy of the movie and he's like the guy who's trying to, you know, save everyone from this uh exploitative sort of um situation with the yeah. the the union and everything. And it's like and they don't they don't like get into the idea of like, you know, they don't paint like they they make no judgment about the fact that he that he beat his fiance, you know. Mm. It's just like a nor it's like a no, it's, that's good, you know. <laughs> like that's fine. <laughs> and then she fucks him after, you know. It's like it's totally fine. Because that's, it's, I guess, you know, it's just, it's so like far removed culturally and um, mm. time wise from like where we are now. It's just, it's like difficult to watch it and be like, oh yeah, this guy's great. Yeah, totally. So, but, uh, you know, it's passable, fine, sort of innocuous, um, you know, intro into Egyptian cinema, I guess. I don't think I've ever seen an Egyptian film before, quite frankly. Yeah, I don't think I have either. Um,. JR, who are the great Egyptian filmmakers? Uh, Yusuf Kahin? Shaheen? Oh, this mm. is, it's just him? Uh, yeah, he's the only one I can think of. Oh, okay. Well, so, this guy. <laughs> yeah. The guy who, the guy who he directed and he played Kanawi. Oh, did he? I think so, yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, oh, you're right. He is. I had no idea that was the director. Yeah, I had a note that he was. He did a good job. I was like, that guy's a good actor. <laughs> I didn't right, look up his yeah. name. I didn't yeah. look up his name. Oh, I thought. Oh, I have another note that the uh, the train stunt at the beginning, where she has to pull that kid away from the train while it's moving, mm. that's like a genuinely dangerous thing, dude. That was like crazy dangerous. For real. Yeah, because yeah. you know that was like you know like Buster Keaton. Like it's actually a train. Right bearing down on them i also really liked um i loved it when hanuma was singing and dancing in the train with the band and she looked right at the camera Mm. i I don't know why that just like really worked for me and then um when the girl is when they open the trunk and she's still alive in there she's like yeah they're covered in blood and shit that was crazy i was like that's pretty fucked up and uh the blade grabbing at the end a little bit um like they had to hold on it way too long mm. because they were trying to get that blood dripping, you know, and it wasn't lit well. But yeah, yeah, I like the idea of it a lot. So yeah, with that. So yeah, but uh, it's a three and a half for me. Same. It, I mean, it's a good, like, it's an interesting, solid movie. Uh, yeah. Not amazing, but it's you know worth watching. Definitely so. worth watching. Um, yeah. Okay, well that's. Uh, gonna do it right yep <laughs> this feels weird that we're like not going into our deep dive right now uh, uh all right well thanks for listening what's our uh, next movie john oh yeah <laughs> i just thought <laughs> it was in the episode for real I, i'm so confused about our yeah. our uh layout now um we need a, that, we need you a know <laughs> our next movie is a great question dude i've not thought about it at all. I'm sorry, guys. Give me two seconds. I will. I will sure. This is the worst. I'm so sorry, guys. Where are my fucking deep dives? I have a list of deep dives. I don't know where it is. Let's see. Um. Oh, for God's sake. Sorry, guys. 
I'll cut all this out. Here it is. Okay. Um, our movie for next time. Is JR there? It's hard to tell because he's just smiling on my screen. I don't know if he's actually there or not. Oh, wow. Uh, I turned off my video, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Okay. Just making sure. Um, Jesus Christ, dude. I don't know what to choose. I'm just going to do random. I'm going to let the list choose for me. Mm. Okay? Woo. Okay. You guys all right with that? Sure. Yeah. This is really scary. Like, I'm so scared about what it's going to be. <laughs> oh, no, no way. Can't do that one. <laughs> okay, you know what? Oh, fuck. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give us a real short one, which is great, and it's uh, one of my favorite movies of the last five years. And neither one of you watched it because you're bastards. We're gonna watch Adopt a Highway, the Logan Marshall Green directed, Ethan Hawke starring drama. The baby one. Yeah. Which okay. I fucking loved when I saw it uh, back in 2019. So we're gonna watch Adopt a Highway next time. And uh, yeah. Kevin and I will be watching that documentary whose name already escapes me. And the uh, fragrance, fragrance, and uh, we'll also uh, be talking other stuff we watch next time. Until then, visit our website filmiacpodcast.com and write to us at filmiacpodcast@gmail.com. And remember to uh, like and subscribe to our podcast on uh, all the podcasting platforms, uh, the apps, whatever that you listen to it on. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Yeah.